Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Ready to elevate your home? Picture this. Central heating, a cozy fireplace, or your dream walk-in closet. Build a backyard oasis, go green with solar panels, or start a business. It's all possible with Figure's Home Equity line of credit. Unlock up to $400,000. Apply online in five minutes. Funding in as little as five days. Head to figure.com and transform your home. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. You better not have no plans tonight. Movie time and it's feeling right. Find it Thank you for tuning into Romancing the Pod. You had us at hello. I'm Paige Wesley. I'm Mikey Randolph. And I'm Todd Schlosser. And this mm-hmm. week, Paige made us watch. What, what women, women want. want. So, Paige, this was your call. So, why did you pick this movie? When was the first time you saw it? Tell us everything. All right. So, I had never seen this movie all the way through. Wow. Okay. I had seen wow. sections of it as a child. Sure, sure, sure. When yeah. it first came out. Popular kids movie. Yeah, popular kids movie, definitely. Um, (laughs) And as a child, I remembered, like, I didn't have the words to describe it, but I remember seeing part of it and being like, I don't think this is really cool to women. (laughs) Like, like I didn't have the word sexism yet, but like, that's how I felt about it. But now, having watched it all the way through as an adult, I'm like, I kind of stand this movie yeah, in right? a weird way. Mel Gibson is terrible. I do think it's funny that they got a man who actually hates women to like play the most meta version of himself. But like the funny thing is, they didn't tell him he was in the movie and had to start acting until about halfway through it. <laughs> he was just like being himself on set and they captured that. And then they shot the movie. He called like 14 grips sugar tits. <laughs> I know he <laughs> had that really bad DUI where he said all those anti-Semitic things. Oh, there's been way more than just that DUI. Well, and he's he's done a lot of bad stuff. The voicemail to his ex-wife. like The voicemail to his ex-wife yeah, that especially. Was brutal. Yeah. But if you want to laugh and be like, fuck, I used to love Braveheart. Listen to <laughs> uh, his voicemails and stuff. It's but insanely bad. I, I'd be damned if that guy is really charismatic. You know what I'm saying? Oh, see, I don't love him in this movie. I, I think he does okay. He's fine. Yeah. It's no lethal weapon. Yes, no, it's no lethal weapon. It's no Mad Max. Uh, the back half is better for me than than the front half. I feel like you could cast this with someone else today and like change nothing, just leave the script as is, and it would actually probably be even better. Who would you cast? I was thinking about that the whole time because like do you keep him the age that he is? Because I think it is a little interesting that he is an older protagonist in this movie. He's in his 40s. But I think yeah. he's in he's in his 40s at least. Uh, I think they actually say he's closer to 50, 51-ish. But like... Oh, no, that was his therapist. Oh, that's right, his therapist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he, when he filmed the movie, was 44. Helen Hunt was 37. Okay. Yeah. 
God, his skin looks terrible for 44. I know. Um, <laughs> Bette Midler looks great for 51. I was like, hello, she girl. She fucking yes. does. Yeah. Love Bette Midler. I, I grappled with that because I think part of the reason he's older in the movie is because it's gener it's considered generational. It's almost like he is an older guy with older values. And that's that plays partially into his attitudes towards women. Yes. Yeah. And so I, I don't know who in that age group now would bring kind of that charisma to a role like this i think you could easily do it with a younger guy sure you just have to change the script a bit though like because he has a pretty yeah. old daughter not old but like his daughter's going to prom for the first time in the yeah movie, she's right? 15 so you yeah. can't do like a 25 year old right y right yeah. yeah yeah and and so that's kind of the tricky part for me bring on that tom cruise oh god he'd be terrible in this you know who i would cast who would you cast todd it's way out of the box page you're gonna hate it okay john mulaney He's a little younger for the, he's a little he's a little young. No, dude's forty. He's got to be at least forty. No, he's actually he's only about two years older than me. Really? Let me look. Hang on, hang on. No, he he got successful way young. Like now he'll be forty this year. He turns forty August twenty sixth. Okay, so he's like he's thirty nine. Uh, I was like wrong. Two but years older than Jake. Then yeah, yeah. yeah I, I don't think he's got the right. You need someone with a little bit of a snap to them, like. I kept thinking, and this is not the right choice either. I kept thinking like a Chris Evans. I'm like, who is Chris Evans 15 years from now? Does that make sense? Chris Evans 15 years from now is going to be 55 years old. I know, because right now, <laughs> 40 is the new 50. I think 55-year-old Chris Evans would yeah, be Yeah, right? Like, because you need that kind of, because uh, right, Chris Evans is either 40 or about to turn 40 as He's well. 41. I just looked it up. He's 41. Yeah. Chris Evans from what's your number, 55 years old. Yes, exactly. That is what you need. Yeah. Mm -hmm. because And that's what I kept thinking, but I don't know who that is that's currently, call it mid 40s to early 50s. And also everyone that we know mid 40s. That's a male actor that's attractive as an Avenger. So like, right. you know, that's kind of it's skewed. 40 is very different now. Yeah. But I was pleasantly surprised in this movie that does not start out on a good foot. No, 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 no. I was very pleasantly surprised that the movie comes around to not only does he begin to understand women better but he starts to value their thoughts yeah and not only value their thoughts but go so far as to romantically engage with someone because of their thoughts like he goes so far to the other spectrum of i now value the way women think so much that the way this woman thinks is attractive to me and he does try to fix his mistake before anyone finds out about it like he doesn't just do it because he got caught he does it because he is conflicted yeah, and I feels write this bad letter. and tries mm -hmm. to fix it. Yeah, I think that was a good point. I mean, I think it was almost like, hey, hearing other people's thoughts would be a good cure for narcissism. <laughs> I do love that he quickly realizes that everyone fucking hates him. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, and, and that women don't envy men in general, I think is a really interesting one that he comes out with later. The quick conversation about penis envy was, I yes. think, super spot Hilarious. on and very like insightful and funny. And it was just so quick and almost like a throwaway, like Aaron Sorkin walking between two meetings kind of scene. Yep. But I was here for it. Who wrote this? Was it Aaron Sorkin? No, 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 no. But Aaron Sorkin's famous for the walk and talk, right? Yes. I was surprised at how much I enjoyed it. Yes, is what I would that, say. 
That's what I was going to say because I was like, oh, man, I remember liking it back in the day, but I've been watching it now. It's bad. But like, really, it's pretty well written. And like, he is pretty much like a stereotype at first, but they nuance it enough where it works. And I think a couple of things. One, it's like the Grinch stole Christmas with women, which is nice. His heart grew three times that of the size. Okay, but you do understand that there were women in the, how the Grinch stole Christmas, right? Yeah, it, it depends on your definition. If you if you think the Who people are human and that they are gendered like us, then there's a debate on that. Who is debating whose gender? I think the Who's are largely fa who forays instead of <laughs> she her or her him. So is he a ha who or a foray? <laughs> <laughs> I think the subplot with the suicidal coworker really Aaron. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I think it really helped me build a lot of empathy for him. Of like even in the middle of him trying to fix his life, that that became the most important thing to do was make sure she was okay and yeah. check on her. And he worried about her through the whole time and you could tell he doesn't really know what to do as most people don't in those situations yeah and how do you take hearing someone's really depressive thoughts and like deal with i really like that plot uh and it really made me think that like okay that had nothing to really do with women versus men or anything it just like he's a decent it made him seem like a decent guy who went yeah. out of his way to help somebody with nothing to gain well he's learning to value people because like yes. clearly in in the beginning of the movie he he values some of the relationships he has with men, but they are superficial. And then he does not have any substantial relationships with women because he does not value them or their opinion in his life. Yeah. So I first saw this movie in the theaters, guys. Wow. Yeah, I did too. I did too. I took. I think I was on a date. I was not on a date. It was with my family. What year did this come out? 2000? Yeah, I think I went on a date. <laughs> Mikey's been dating for 20 years, ladies. Still hasn't figured it out. So uh, Back then, I had to get dropped off at the theater by Target. <laughs> and we would go to walk around Target and then go to the movies. That means I was like 13 when this came out, so I must have been slightly older when I saw it. Anyway, go Probably. Ahead. I remember liking it in the moment, but I, I do see like the first 30 minutes of this movie, if you only saw that, you'd be like, this is a terrible movie. That's all I'd seen. Yeah, yeah. So watching it today, I didn't really remember much of it because I saw it, what, like... 20 years ago and so like I was watching it and I was like oh I cannot wait to rip this shitty misogynistic movie apart and then towards the end you're like oh shit they wrapped up almost everything in like a nice little bow except for the whole Marissa Tomei stuff everything else was like wrapped up really neatly yeah oh yeah there's some ugly parts of your life that you just have to cut off I I mean you make (laughs) mistakes I I feel you I just (laughs) sort of love the uh, like the revelation on his face that he could like easily get out of this shitty situation that he created for himself and not make her feel worse yes Yeah. yeah by just being like Yes, I am gay or whatever. Like, this is fine. Here's what I'll say about that portion of the movie, though. As a screenwriter, I understand why it's there. Because they wanted the gag of him learning how to have sex better by listening. Because that is something where he finds out he was bad at sex. Like... Because he's finding out he's hearing it in the moment. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so to have him kind of learn and flip it around. But... They can't have him do that with Helen Hunt because that kind of distorts the arc of how movies like to portray heterosexual relationships where sex is the goal instead of a collaborative part of the relationship. Especially at this time, like you would not do sex before marriage in a movie more than likely around this time. 
Yeah, well, not with your main character, for right, sure. Right, exactly. Which which also, they don't sleep together in this movie. And that, no. like, they make out a bunch, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, and there's an opportunity. Mm-hmm. It seems like she's into it, and then he doesn't because, you know, what he's doing. Yeah, he chooses not to because of the morality of the film. Yes, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. I will say the trope of falling in love with your slash boss slash co-worker. I, I get it from a screenwriting perspective like you, Paige, of like, you know, it would be an easy way to have them in more scenes together justifiably if, if they work together. Yeah. But from an HR perspective, this seems problematic. Very. But also he he's an ad executive. He is he is late 90s, early 2000s Don Draper. And we didn't have a Don Draper yet. So like we didn't know that that was the archetype. (laughs) But that is what he is. But he's like still like stuck in the mentality of the 60s. Yeah. Which is the time period he would have grown up in. Like I sort of get that like him at the beginning of this movie to me feels like he's every boomer man I did not like growing up. Yeah. Does that make sense? Agreed. And I think that's what I responded to seeing it the first time was it represented men that I did not like. Yeah. I'm like, oh, these people are like problematic. Like he he honestly reminds me a lot of my first stepdad, the guy who my mom Mm. married for 10 years in between the great guy she's married to now and my dad, who was not great. But like he was such a shitty misogynistic a-hole and I fucking hated him. And like that's one of the reasons I hate Mel Gibson, because he reminds me of Mel Gibson. Like they're just terrible people. Anyway, so like When I saw this movie, the first 30 minutes, I was like, fuck everything that this dude is doing. And then eventually he gets, I don't know why, but I love like the 80s trope of like lightning strikes can literally cause anything. So like, fuck, I love that part of it. This movie has big Ernest Goes to Jail energy. (laughs) It does. It really does. Because like electricity solves all the problems. It creates the problems and solves it. And I love that. Well, it was produced by... um... What's his name? Um, Vern? No, 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 oh. no. The other, the other guy. Ernest. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> those are the only two dudes we know who uh, did Ernest goes to jail. The light bulb guy, Edison. Oh, that was way out of okay. He was. Great. Pro- this movie was produced by Edison. You know, it's propaganda for electricity. Okay. okay. That solves all the problems. Because like in the twenty, like in the nineteen hundreds, he would like electric. It's fine. Whatever. Fuck all y'all. <laughs> <laughs> so do you guys maybe want to talk about this movie scene by scene? Sure. Sweet. It's a little bit longer than I thought it was going to be. I-, I assumed it was like ninety minutes, and it's a little over two hours. It's a little over two hours, but it's paced well, and there's not much I would cut. Same. There's a lot of complex subplots in this. There film. are. There, there are, are. It's not just an A B like storyboard, right? Like you've got like four mm-hmm. or five different little stories going on, which I liked. I, I agree. I wouldn't really cut anything out of it. It just it's a little bit longer than like a normal rom com is. I yeah, I wouldn't cut things out of it because I think it is more nuanced, and I think we do really see a transition from him as a person. That is very, very gratifying and really saves the movie for me at the end. Yeah. That he does truly learn and not only learn, but thrive in a weird way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we start with voiceover, which we actually will find out is his ex-wife describing him to her bridesmaids on her wedding day because she's marrying somebody else. Yeah. Who seems like a great guy. We only see him one time, but he seems like a good guy. We only dude. see him that one time, yeah. but he seems cool. Um, But she's basically like, a man's man is this. A man's man does this and doesn't get what women are about and doesn't care. And we kind of see him going through his day-to-day life where he has an assistant in very young Sarah Paulson that he is sending on errands. Who has now been in two back-to-back Romance in the Pod episodes. Yeah, oh, she's been in a ton, but also, um, uh, what's her name, Erin. Oh, 
Yeah, Judy Greer. Judy Greer. Yeah, Judy Greer. I, I had Judy Gold in my notes, and I'm like, I think Judy Gold is also in this somewhere. <laughs> uh, but Judy Greer has been in almost as many RTP movies as uh, that one other girl. <laughs> that was a down to love. Yeah. This is the most serious part I think I've ever seen Judy Greer play. And I think she does a great job, but she's she just a such job. a funny comedic actress. You just never really see her do this kind of stuff anymore. Well, it's, it's a very interesting role for her where she's just kind of gliding through life and we meet her mostly through voiceover. Yeah. Uh, and, to have her physically embody that voiceover is really interesting. Yeah, I think she did a great job with it. Yeah, uh, but as his ex-wife is describing him, she's like, well, you know about his mom, right? Because that explains everything. Yeah. His mom was a Las Vegas showgirl who raised him backstage. Now, here's what I'm going to say. This movie does <laughs> kind of slut shame showgirls a bit. A little, In a way yeah. that's not great. The movie or actual showgirls? The, I mean, the movie showgirls, definitely. But the movie here, <laughs> this movie... But I think what they're kind of trying to get at is he's raised in a seemingly sexually explicit environment too young. Uh, because we do see that like happy birthday picture they take where he's like surrounded by boobs. Yeah. And he's kind of like babysat by my men who are not great. And he's maybe not as supervised as he should have been in a world that is very sexually explicit. Yeah. But here's the weird part. You guys let me know about this. Like, I think you could have had the same montage and him been like really sensitive to women's needs as yeah. well because he was raised by like 10, like always surrounded Agreed. by women. Yeah. And, and that's kind of what I... I, I was a little torn with including this because I feel like the movie feels like they slam dunk. I'm like, this is why he's sexist. I'm like, he would actually probably know much more about women than like he the would. average yes. guy. He absolutely would. Yeah. And, and I feel like we've seen other movies where someone has a similar backstory and is much more sensitive to women. I think what was missing from this opening is... Some sort of demonstration of an accepted misogyny in that world that he comes to see as normal. And we see a little bit of that with some of the men in that world that his mom kind of pawns him off on. In the scene where he's like counting the money with that other yeah. guy and he slaps that woman on the butt and she like responds like it's a joke and he's like, <laughs> right. I'm such a shitty dude. And Mel Gibson's little Mel Gibson, who was actually the guy who played Percy Jackson. He was bearing some lightning against that butt. I know, right? But he's like laughing it off and like it's not a big deal or whatever. Like like that kind of behavior is okay. Right. And if the whole montage was him being surrounded like men like that, I could see him being Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Which I think is what they were trying to get at and failed to show. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Mm hmm. Anyway, so we cut to modern day Mel Gibson who wakes up with a kiss on one cheek, which is kind of a cool like we saw it in the past in that photo. Now we're seeing it in the present. Yeah. And and his, I believe, housekeeper is is what she is, is her job. I think so. Too. Comes in yeah. and wakes him up. Yeah. And she's kind of like going through his sheets and they smell like perfume She's finding underwear everywhere. He slaps her butt, which oh my is God. super inappropriate and terrible. I, dude, when she bent over right in front of him, I was like, what are we doing right now? And then he slaps her on the butt, and I was like, fuck, this is going to be a fun episode. And then uh, yeah. he like treats her like, I mean, I realize that she's probably there to clean his house. I think it's clear that she isn't like a cook because she complains about 
like him asking yeah. her to make him breakfast, which is fair. Yeah. Like she's not getting paid for that. So like, that's fair. Yeah. I, I think she also shouldn't be responsible for waking him up. I think, he's a, I think he's pressured her into that as part of her job. Yeah. Or, or like she has to be there at eight because of whatever. Maybe it's something he says that she, you know, I don't know, but like she wakes him up because he's still sleeping at eight. Right. Yeah. And so he's awful to her. He, he treats her like a personal assistant as opposed to just a housekeeper. It's sort of like he, the way he treats Sarah Paulson's character at the office. Yeah. Where she like does all of the like minute school shit that really isn't her job sort of thing. Except, I mean, I do think he is paying her to clean the house. But he right. asked her to do all this other stuff that's not part of that, you know? Yeah, well, he he uses women as tools to do the things that he doesn't care about or think about. Yeah. It's like they're a commodity to be traded with or used, uh, but they're not right. real people. Yeah, like the good old days. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I think it's because, I don't know. I think it's because my mom sort of raised me in my formative years. And I don't know. I fucking hate people like this. My dad was pretty so chauvinistic and cheated repeatedly and then my parents divorced when i was a teenager and i pretty much been really close with my mom but my dad and i repaired our relationship when basically when i was 30 it was a while on later but like yeah uh, you learn some things going through an experience about that about that sort of things but yeah i i it just makes me mad like you don't even if you were raised by a chauvinist, you don't have to turn out like one. Like you also like I, I'm not my dad. It, 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 it took me a long time to come to took me some therapies to get there. But, uh, yeah, you know. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think I went through a similar struggle with all of that. But like, I think yeah. because I grew up the way I grew up and it sounds like we grew up similarly. And also my dad wasn't super like this. So like, I think I had a good framework for like how to talk to and treat women, mainly for my mom, though, because my dad wasn't the best husband. <laughs> I don't know. It just people like this drive me crazy. And, and maybe it's because the guy my mom married after my dad was like this and he also like was horribly abusive and like a terrible, terrible person that I just like hate this archetype of person. Yeah, my growing up, my dad hates this kind of guy. Yeah. Well, and your dad's of the same generation as my dad, more or less. Yeah. My, my dad very, very pointedly does not enjoy hanging out with or dealing with men like this. No, it's terrible. Yeah. Because they're the kind of guys who are like, they have to be like in control of like the conversation or whatever's going on. And not like people who like to be the center of attention on like put on a show and make people laugh. I mean, like they have like a huge ego and it's just hard to talk to them unless like you're blowing smoke up their ass and it's just like terrible i hate i hate it so much i'd imagine it's like a lot like talking to me <laughs> uh, well there, there's also there's an element of like i, I guess i'll call it locker room talk but sure. just the perspective on women that and that people who talk about women that way has always bothered my dad yeah pointedly where he will specifically avoid people i think that's why we get along with your dad because i think we've specifically talked about how hard it is to make some guy friends I think yeah. talk, I think we've yeah. talked about it on the show before. Like, yeah. uh, there, it really says a lot of like how guys talk about their significant other are women when women are not around. Oh yeah, in a way that can be disgusting. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and like I am friends with a lot of men by virtue of my yeah being in comedy yeah yeah and i i'm not really friends with men like that specifically but also before jake and i got married i had had multiple people come up to me and be like i just need you to know that like i have talked to your husband about you or about women when you were not around and he says wonderful things <laughs> and i was just like <laughs> yeah he does yeah because i got a good one indeed so Mel Gibson gets in a cab 
goes to the office, uh, or I'm sorry, goes to get coffee before going to the office. Yeah, but he does he does walk out of his apartment, and like the door woman there gets a, a gets a taxi for him. Uh, right. And then like that whole exchange happens, which I like what happens with their exchange when he can hear I her do. thoughts. I fucking love it so much. Anyway, but like the door woman will come back later and I love her. This motherfucker buys coffee every morning for two weeks. No, he doesn't. He buys coffee every morning until he sleeps with Marissa Tomei and then he doesn't for six days. But that's the thing. So I may have done something of this nature where you have a place that you really love, like their coffee or their food or something or their drinks. And then you may accidentally have a casual encounter with the staff and now you can't go back. Accidentally? Like like you tripped (laughs) and fell into her vagina? No. There were choices made, sir. Yeah. But then you can't go back anymore. I'm just going to ignore stuff I don't like. And I feel like that's the way to go. So, hey, Mikey, what place is this? We don't have time for... No, we do. We've got time. I want to go there and see if I can pick out which one you slept with. Let's name one, Todd. St. Thomas West Emergency Room. (laughs) Well, I know about that one because I (laughs) dropped you off there and waited for you while you were sick. Because that's the kind of friend I am, Mikey. Mm -hmm, It's got to be rough that you can't get health care because you've dated all the nurses in Nashville. (laughs) Is this why that one time when you said nurses are mean, I think this is just you banging all the nurses. Also, what job does your mom do, Mikey? Yeah. She teaches nurses. Oedipus much? Yeah. No. Just saying. I work with a lot of nurses, and so, like, it's like a proximity thing. It is. You date and marry who you're around, Paige. Don't look at him like that. That's yeah, don't, absolutely yeah, don't. true. <laughs> I'm just saying that you're around a lot of different kinds of people, but it seems like you've dated a lot of nurses. Yeah, he's into toothy nurses. This, <laughs> I can introduce you to my dental hygienist, Mikey. She's perfect for you. Bro, high school Mikey, when I had braces, I would go to the orthodontist, and this man, looking back, he must be a total asshole. His office was only like gorgeous women all the time. And 15-year-old me could not handle that. And they would be like, <laughs> hey, cutie. And I'd be like, oh. <laughs> I love your 15-year-old giggle. That's, that's amazing. <laughs> we have to do a mold of your teeth. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> Never miss an appointment. No. Ever. <laughs> I should introduce you though. I think you really like her. She's uh she's got really good teeth, Mikey. Oh, they would be like, Your teeth are looking so good. I'm like, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> Never said a word. Only said weird noises. I think we've gotten back to the teeth. Like, I think this is where the teeth thing comes I from. Know, it could be. I agree. I do think that this is where, like, in his formative would- years, he developed an attraction to teeth. You would be laying down and like they'd be messing with like your braces and stuff and adjusting them and like doing and all and it's like three of like and like they were like tens. Like I was so intimidated to speak in this dental hygienist's office as like a fifteen year old. I'm like, ah, <laughs> bye. They're like, hey, do you need your book on your lap? And he's like, yes. <laughs> They're like, nice weather. I'm like, it is weather today. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but this is like okay so mikey had weird sexual tooth experiences as a teen i was watching terminator and predator and you know blood sport as a as a 12 13 year old yeah but you didn't marry someone who stole a homeless man's pants and wears them for a day i mean i mean jake is resourceful i'm not saying he wouldn't <laughs> do it in a pinch if he needed to Oh, for sure, sure, yeah, sure. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. So he goes to the coffee place, and this is the first place we meet Marissa Tomei, where she literally asks him to stop hitting on her. And he doesn't. He still persists because he is an 
asshole. Yeah, I mean, I, okay, so like in the movie, it's played off like that she is focusing on her acting and just doesn't want to get involved with anybody right now, but is super into Mel Gibson. But she did ask him to stop hitting on her. Also, yeah. she's at work. Don't ever hit on her at work anyway. Yeah. But like the fact that he doesn't listen to her and like still convinces her to have a date with him that he does. He skip that date. I, he must. He must skip that date. Right. Because we never hear about it. We never see anything. Well, getting a verbal agreement and then making plans are two different things. And sometimes you forget. Okay, Mikey, this first off was not an attack on you. Secondly, <laughs> I do feel like he made plans because he was like, I'll see you at 10. 10 or 10.30, yeah. Yeah, so she was waiting there for at least 30 minutes between 10 and 10.30 for him to show up. Oh, if I, if I were her, I would have fucking left. Same. After, she's waiting around at her job, right? Right. At least she got to wait around on the clock, hopefully. So, like, <laughs> But I do think that they do make plans. Maybe this is the first date they go on. Maybe I think canonically time-wise it doesn't work that way though because I think it doesn't happen. Yeah, same. Because canonically they, they don't go out until he already has the power, right? Right. And that happens I think two days after this, so it, it definitely doesn't happen then. Yeah, and and I'll be honest with you, I think I think this is more of a power thing to prove that he could. Oh yeah. I don't think he really cares about going out on a date with her. I think he cares that he could. I think, well, and I also feel like it's probably a little bit about having sex with her too. Like he just wants to like another notch in the bedpost kind of a thing. But um, yeah. yeah, I agree. I don't really think he's like, man, that Marissa Tomei character down at the uh, Starbucks, man, she is the gal for me. Like he doesn't see her that way. He sees her as yeah. like something to have sex with. A commodity. Yes. Yeah. So we follow him into his office and see him talking with some of his coworkers. A hate, like a latte. You mean uh, Academy Award winner Marissa Tomei? Yes. All I have to say is that if if your shit's foaming, you should get that checked out. Wait. Aren't lattes supposed to foam? Yeah, lattes are, but people are. Oh, you're talking about her vagina. Okay, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, I, I mean, completely missed that. I apologize. I was like, wait, what? lattes are supposed to foam, right? I don't know. Like, yeah. I'm not super into coffee, but like, yeah. Also, if your shit's foaming. <laughs> it all depends on how much cream. <laughs> if y'all want to do like disgusting coffee sex references, I'm here for this episode. <laughs> Mikey, I always want to do that. You should see me order at <laughs> Starbucks. Paige, how many pumps do you prefer of flavor? <laughs> I'm not a coffee person, but I did just picture some, somebody coming on someone and making it like the leaf pattern, like the top of the tree. <laughs> Paige, you pervert. But like on their forehead, like it's Simba. At like <laughs> I, his... I, was, I was thinking stomach, but sure. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gross. <laughs> Super gross. Well, it's a shame I don't have time to edit this episode. And everything's going to have to stay in. I right, cut that. I apologize. Oh, no. Oh no! The worst part is they never get your name right. That is the worst part. <laughs> yeah. My KK, my me guy, my K. I cannot tell you how many times I have gotten a Starbucks coffee cup that has the name Tom spelled on it. I'm sorry. I I asked for this to go. <laughs> Every drinks to go at Starbucks. Yeah. Um. Every time I I have anything where I have to have my name attached to it and then they call my name i get called peggy peggy i can see that you do have a peggy a short of vibe to you in so much as that you're like a creative genius who like really should be in a better job than she has but like you, you know the men at her office are sort of keeping her down because they see her as less than are we going to talk about mad men for another full episode this episode no no no, no. It's, <laughs> it's just because my name the way my name is spelled p-a-i-g-e 
if you've never heard that name, people look at it and they go, Peggy? That's a weird one, weird name way to spell Peggy, but okay. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's a weird, weird byproduct of having an unusual name. So when I was streaming on Twitch full time, I had a hat that had my logo on it. And then on the back, it said Todd Awesome on it because that was my Twitch mm, handle, right? right? And I was wearing it backwards at Disneyland. And I went to the Starbucks at Disneyland. So it was across your face? It was literally my name. Well, Todd Awesome was across my forehead. And the person said, I, I ordered my my coffee and my girlfriend's coffee. And they were like, Tom? And I, I literally just pointed at my head and said, <laughs> Todd. And then he still wrote Tom on the cup. <laughs> That's just passive aggressive at that point. I love that. He was super <laughs> busy. <laughs> but dude, my girlfriend at the time and I laughed about that shit all day. He's like, Todd Possum? Todd Possum Tom Possum Possum? Houston we have a Todd Possum Tom Tom Possum Possum. But yeah I I thought it was hilarious I don't know if he was just busy Didn't know what was going on Or was just responding to my pettiness Because when I pointed the hat That's sort of like a stupid petty thing to do too But like I, I don't know I thought it was funny uh, that kind of reminds me of when we ended up laughing at the Applebee's waitress at Panic Fest for like oh three my days. God, I've never <laughs> felt so invisible in my life, Paige. <laughs> Mikey, you weren't there yet, but it was Natalie, are Paige, you here, and I. Are you here to pick up a to-go order? No, you Sorry. were just our waitress at the table. For the past hour. Oh, man. Anyway, at his office, he's kind of walking up through the like first floor. I'm, and I could swear they've used this office building in like a million other 90s movies. Oh, I'm sure it's a set. I have seen it before, too. Yeah. And it took me mm, an hour and a half into this movie to realize it was Chicago and not New York. Well, because they mentioned it in the dialogue. I thought it was New York until then, though. Oh, it's, yeah. it's Chicago? I didn't know that. It's Chicago. Yeah. Well, and, and part of that also is one of the agencies that they're talking about is a real agency in New York. So, like, it throws you off. The interesting part about the set was that, like, Mel Gibson keyed in every time he went into, like, into yes. the doors. And I was like, it's really interesting that they would, they would include that detail in this movie for some reason. Well, And also that every time you see him do it, he's typing in just gibberish. Like, they, just, <laughs> yeah. they clearly don't have a code for that door. They were just like, Mel, hit the buttons to make it look like there's a code. Well, and from the exterior entrance and then part of the lobby it looks like part of 30 rock like the building and so like there's a ton of stuff with like her brownstone and like the cabs and stuff that look like New York. And so when she's like, you should be the happiest man in Chicago. And I was like, why? <laughs> you know what? I am the happiest man in Chicago because I'm in New York. <laughs> but I'm in New York. <laughs> but no, I thought it was too. Well, and when he's with Marissa Tomei under the train. Yes. Then that I was have like, been a oh, this yeah. is Chicago. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. So as they're walking through the office, he's talking about Miller's looking for a new ad agency, and that's kind of what he's targeting. And then they he talks about with his coworker that a woman at a prominent ad agency was let go. And they're basically like, well, yeah, she was a total bitch. Yeah. <laughs> like instantly. They're just instantly like, she was awful. And this is where he kind of bumps into Judy Greer and he just does not care. Like no. he, she is a nothing entity in his world. Yeah, this is fully on. Like he is the worst toxic man he ever is in this movie in these scenes, and so he is treating everyone sort of like shit. Even the guy who's like 
who we're getting this exposition with. I can't remember his name, but he was in like some TV show. I think he was in Royal Pains. Yeah, yeah I, he's the guy from Royal Pains. He's really, I like him a lot. He's really good. But like he is in this scene and they're both sort of being like the stereotypical like douchebags, right? And they just like sort of bump into her and don't even really acknowledge it. Yeah, he gets up to uh, his assistants, first Sarah Paulson, who has, you know, got a cigarettes, every like the whole list of stuff. Yeah. And then he goes into his actual office and has like two more assistants in his office. And they're like, hey, staff meeting was canceled. But everyone thinks he is about to get a promotion. So everyone's kind of like, we've got champagne ready, like yeah. all this stuff. One of his assistants is Delta Burke. I couldn't figure out if that was her or just someone it who is. really looked like her, but it is her. Yeah, the black-haired or brunette lady? Yes, that's with the De- hair. That's yeah. Delta Burke. I was like, why is Delta Burke in this movie? I don't know. My, I mean, those two are barely in this movie. Yeah. But one is responsible for one of the funniest jokes i think in this movie oh yeah and it is kind of a misogynist joke but it made me laugh really hard is that they call him sire the entire movie no it's so wild why would you do that to anybody super strange i think it's hilarious (laughs) i wish my subordinates would call me sire but like i'm 100 percent sure he asked them to do that right like that is something that they would not do just organically right yeah i think they were doing it sarcastically which is the only time anyone's ever called me that when I'm at work with them. <laughs> yes, your majesty, I'll get right on that. I'm like, thank you. And that means you're never seeing what you've asked yeah. for. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it means I'm going to spit in those reports before I give them back to you. Why are these reports stuck together? <laughs> well, it's an email, okay? So they shouldn't be stuck together. <laughs> I was masturbating when I took meeting notes. I'm sorry. <laughs> I told you to stop getting coffee. Well, anyway, yeah, we cut to he goes up to see his boss, Alan Alda, fully thinking that he's about to get a promotion. And Alan Alda is basically just like, they made me hire a woman. Well, I mean, he he does give the reason of it. And I think that the reason is like pretty solid. He's like, hey, we have learned that Mm -hmm. women do a lot of the buying. They actually hold more of the purchasing power than men do now. So we need to start targeting women because right now our ad agency is like one of the top ones. But we have zero feminine focused accounts. So that is mm-hmm. like the market we need to like penetrate more of. That sounded very sexual. I didn't mean to. Oh my in my God. head, it was just more about like getting into a new market. No, stop making the jerk off your with your hand. But like, I really understood why Alan Alda was taking that approach. I'm like, yeah, Hawkeye is right. You guys need to diversify what you're doing. Hawkeye? From MASH? Oh, I'm oh, wow. sorry. I've never. My grandpa would love that joke. <laughs> You and your fucking Crispix and your mask. <laughs> I had Crispix this morning and they were fucking fantastic. Oh, are you going to have keep a solid bowel movement solid. later? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love those goddamn Crispix. Our Kroger was out, so I made a special trip to Publix to get Crispix. And Ben and Jerry's New York Super Fudge Chunk. Did you use your walker? Yeah, yeah. listen, I really love the Crispix. <laughs> I drove my rascal scooter all the way there. <laughs> I just get on the hover round. Oh. But anyway, like I really liked his reasoning, and I liked that they gave his reasoning. I thought that was they cool. They did, but I, I think he's reluctant. I think he's like, the board is oh, doing this. Yes, yeah. I, I do feel like he has been sort of forced into making that decision, because even mm-hmm. in 
the scene, he's like, Nick, I really wanted to hire you for the job. Like, you're amazing. This is no indication of how we feel about the work that you produce, right? Right. We think you do a great job, but here are the trends we've seen, and the board has requested this sort of a move, so I hired that lady, right? Helen Hunt. Right, right, right. Yeah. And he's pissed and goes yes. back down to his secretaries and is like, no champagne. Although he catches that champagne cork, which, which is pretty cool. I was like, there's no way they actually did that, right? Like, how do they do that? That's impressive. Um... I think he just had it in his hand already, and then it looked like he grabbed it, and then- Hawkeye could do it. Hawkeye from the Marvel Universe, which is what the <laughs> jokes are like in this generation. Well, if Hawkeye Jeremy from Renner. This, Yeah, if Jeremy Renner did it, he would have shot it with an arrow, and it would have ended up in Delta Burke's forehead. No, no, no. If Jeremy Renner did it, he would have written a real weird album about it, and then released it, and been like, my passion is really music, and you're just like- what? I get it. I have a lot of passions that I'm terrible at too, Jeremy Renner. But like, it doesn't mean you have to put them out into the world. Paige, trust me, I have like a half dozen friends where their passion is music and they always do that. Oh, no. I do feel like I'm being singled out a little bit. No, because you haven't put out an album in a while. Paige, our buddy, our buddy Todd here has done a lot of co-writes lately. I have. Specifically for country music. I want to work in film. What should I pursue? Pursue moving to LA? Yeah. Or being a line producer. Yeah. Cocaine? <laughs> All you need is a mirror, a razor blade, and some white stuff. I'm a line producer. Yeah. <laughs> a line producer uh, essentially organizes and mobilizes teams throughout production. I would be good at that. Sorry to get us off track again. Oh, that's fine. So Darcy, who is Helen Hunt's character, is going to come in that afternoon and- Mel Gibson's all pissed about it, uh, but he has to take a break in the middle of the day to go to his ex-wife's wedding, um, where he's kind of creepy still, but he goes yeah. to basically coordinate picking up his daughter and her staying with him for the next two weeks. It does sort of seem like he went to the wedding to like, I mean, say congratulations and whatever, because it seems like even mm. though they are divorced, they do have a decent sort of co-parenting situation in so much that the mom clearly takes care of the daughter and he has nothing to do with it. Yeah, and he just pays for stuff, I think. Yeah, yeah. but they seem to communicate fine between the two of the two parents, right? But I mean, he doesn't know how old his daughter is. She's like, yeah. he, he even says like, you're 13? What do you mean you're dating somebody? And she's like, well, first off, I'm 15. 15 and secondly right. he's 18 and he's also the same guy who's always cast in the same sort of role in every one of these types of movies who would have thought i know he's been a lead in like one thing and i can't remember what it was but i remembered seeing it and being like oh this is why you're never the lead oh I, <laughs> like, I, yeah i mean i think he's fine at this kind of role and he got a shitload of work back at this time doing this sort of yeah. role but yeah i've never seen him have to do like any well i hate saying real acting but like where he like has to carry emotional weight of scenes and stuff like that i've not seen that at all but he's still working like he's a still a working actor yeah so this is also where we see his daughter calls him by his first name she doesn't call him dad yeah which is a distinction that by the end of the movie she calls him dad and it's like a whole thing yeah oh, but i mean he is a much better person at the end of the movie like i totally get why this 13 slash 15 year old would not want to call him dad and we honestly i don't know how long her mom and her new husband dated but like it's very possible and very likely that her new husband is more of a dad to her than she her calls actual him dad, dad. Yeah. in this scene yeah. yeah so we cut to the meeting with darcy so he gets back to work helen hunt's holding a meeting and she makes like a great speech in this meeting of just like hey i'm excited to work with all of you i think you can all do great things but brass tacks here's why i'm here yeah 
there was forty million dollars in advertising directed at women, and you earned none of it. Forty billion dollars—that's an insane yeah. amount of money. Like that's crazy. Yeah. I mean, this is like cable. Like advertising changes like soon after this, but like I would assume like this is like peak like broadcast advertising. Internet's not that big on advertising kind of stuff. This is before what I would call demographic segmentation, which because of the way that a lot of media works these days, you can actually direct your ads a lot more specifically than you could. Yeah. So you had to like broad brush, try and find your audience. However, I do think it was a little weird. And I guess, I mean, this movie paints it as, advertising was never for women and i'm like that's not actually true like there's a lot of especially in the the 50s and 60s mm-hmm. there is a ton of advertising yeah. directed at women but written by men and it's super sexist there's some of my favorite like vintage yes. ads and they are terrible but they're like terrible in like a very funny way of like man these people who wrote this ad have never actually spoken to their wives But then there is an interesting shift where you start to get women in advertising, which is Uh what Mad Men's fucking about, um, where that does shift and women kind of take over and you do see a shift in advertising. This movie portrays it kind of as if it's always been men advertising for men and it's all bikini ski teams. I think that's just the case for this agency this firm yeah yeah yeah, absolutely and i think what they're kind of referring to is at this time there is a shift in the way advertising speaks to women not that it is speaking to them at all if that makes sense i think that that's fair yeah and and there's still a lot of tricking women in trying to trick women into buying things by making them feel bad yeah and like once you realize that that's what a company's trying to do it gets a lot less effective But this is a shift into empowering women through advertising or attempting to air quotes. I think the ad they come up with for Nike is very... I like the ad they come up with for Nike. It's really good. It's weird that they had him do the voice for it. I mean, we don't see the actual ad. We just see the pitch I think he's just walking them through it. Yeah, Like, they really should have had Helen Hunt presented. I I understand story-wise why you, like, wouldn't have done that. But if I had come up with the idea, I'd be like, you probably should just by nature of your gender be the person who presents this yeah and i don't think there's anything wrong with that you're trying to snag nike's female account right right like that's what you're trying to do so like lean into your strengths i don't know also really like think that this time in advertising is a very funny time and sort of you talked about it a second ago but because i sort of work in this space now and we can like create ads that are like so hyper focused on a certain type of person and by that i mean like a subsect of like a hundred people i can serve an ad to those people so like i can create an ad that's focused Focused on Which that. is why I the internet right to privacy is so important. Exist. Yeah. Yes. Like no joke. On Facebook, I can direct an ad at a certain geolocation. So if you're on that person's Wi-Fi network, I can make it so only you see that ad. Yeah. I want everything to be private about me. So they don't do that. And yeah. then they have to and then we could save the ad industry. Well, okay, so one of the things I like about the ad industry now as opposed to what it was then was they're just taking all these hunches and like, well, yeah, this will probably work. And they're not like actually testing on the back end and like, okay, this didn't work. This did work. And and now because we collect all that data, like we can really d- dive into that, which I think is one of, my, one of my favorite parts about the job is like that aspect of it. Yeah, digital surveillance to me still is bad. It's very big brothery, but it is fascinating. It is. And, and like that, that's the tricky part where you're just like, I don't love that they're collecting all this info, but super fascinating. 
fascinating. But what it's led to when a lot of people complain about like influencer marketing, it's because of this. It's because you can digitally segment yep. and test and find out what people like. And in a roundabout way, I now benefit from this. Like I have had between these shows and cult podcast, like four different conversations in the last like month on ads that specifically I have been asked to read because it's me. Yeah. And it's, but it's because like they have like determined that this subsect, like you should read this. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and it's fascinating. It's really interesting. But to your point, Mikey, like it is scary the amount of data that's being collected every second you touch anything on your phone. You know, I can more or less see that on the back end and be like, okay, this person we want to target for an ad because they're ready to buy something that is whatever, right? So if you don't want to be a part of that ecosystem, you're like, you have to like get off social media. You have to not have a smartphone. Like it is wild the amount of work you have to do to not be in that world. Yeah, but it is also a world that helps us quite a bit. Well, it helps you and it helps like, yeah. But that also, but as a content creator, digital segmentation helps you too because you can find your niche audience faster. Yeah. And by virtue of the algorithm wanting to keep people engaged, sometimes you get passive advertising invisibility because the algorithm has decided that you are within their same branding. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, this this concludes Advertising 101. Welcome back to Advertising Hour. Yeah, Welcome back to Advertising. I I do love the scenes with Helen Hunt thinking about women's advertising and talking about it because I am fascinated by it. And it was one of my favorite parts of Mad Men 2 when Peggy would step in and be like, now I'm going to sell Playtex or I'm going to, you know, sell lipstick and the way that she would think about it different than other people. And this next scene really plays into that because she gives them a box of feminine products that are all looking for a new ad representative. Yeah. And so there's like nail polish, a pregnancy test, a wonder bra, control top pantyhose, and then bath beads, which we have talked about on the show before. We have, yeah. But are different than the ones we talked about. These are more like marbles because he- These are more like marbles. He like rolls on them. I'd imagine if you stepped on a bath bead, it would just like- crush and spew out right yeah it would explode i think these are more like a dissolve like a tiny bath bomb yeah the cancer ones yeah no the cancer ones are the ones that explode these ones i think are more like if you think of like a like an like an alka-seltzer like that i think that's how these ones probably work okay (laughs) still got the plastic i think the outside is just coated in luster dust just like me. Yeah, and Mikey, I've been meaning to talk to you about wearing that sparkle uh, lotion when you go Yeah, I've been meaning to out. talk to you about your luster dust problem. It's luster dandruff. <laughs> oh, oh, no. Anyway, she gives them all a box, and she's like, we're going to turn this company around, so bring your boxes back tomorrow, and we'll talk about it. This is coincidentally what I give every female person I know for their birthday. Honestly, don't hate it. <laughs> like... <laughs> Every once in a while, people give me boxes of just lady stuff, and I'm like, this is going to languish in my closet until I remember I have it, and then I'm going to have a great spa day. It's lipstick, pantyhose, bath bombs, home pregnancy tests, and- More people need to give out home pregnancy tests as gifts because that's always something you have to just go out and buy. And it's such an ordeal. Always. I feel like that's oddly pressuring, though, right? Like if some guy at work is like, hey, I uh, went ahead and picked up you a pregnancy test. Like, that's weird, right? Like, What if they're trying at home and you like want to like cover that expense for them? Here's the thing. Home pregnancy tests are not cheap. (laughs) And you usually want to take 
multiple <laughs> because you're like, I need to be sure. Well, yeah, and you've got to pee a lot and there's only so much a stick to cover. So you probably want to cover multiple sticks, I'd imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If somebody today, <laughs> like somebody today is like, wait, you do what with a pregnancy test? You I know to, you yeah. pee on it. <laughs> you do need a lot of pee to take it though. At this point in my life, if someone I knew well gifted me a ton of pregnancy tests, I'd be like, oh, thank you. <laughs> Like, I don't need to use these all that often, but like when I do, I'll be glad I have them. The only pregnancy test you need is waiting nine months. Oh, no. Oh, that's, no. That is. That's no prenatal care, my dude. Yeah. It's bad. That's literally bad for everyone involved. Yeah. You know what the Vikings didn't have? Pregnancy tests. Uh, but they did have like coins on string and shit. Um, here's my thing. <laughs> I'm not I'm not trying to get pregnant. It's not a huge risk. But it's one of those things where, like, the one time that it happens to you, you're like, oh, shit, I have to go to the store. Like, you know. I think a prenatal text is the perfect gift for, like, a fourth date. What? I, I mean, a, a, pre, a pregnancy test. Yeah, I, I figured when you said prenatal test, that's what you meant. But, like, a fourth date, that would be oddly pressuring. Be like, a hey, you'll need this tomorrow morning. Yeah, exactly, Paige. Exactly. I was like, two weeks ago was really fun. Here's a follow-up gift. Oh, I know people who stocked up on Plan B recently. Like, I feel like people should do that with pregnancy tests because I don't think they expire as fast as you think and then you don't have to go to the store. Pro, pro tip? Question mark? All right. Well, uh, I guess consider it for your next, uh, you know, birthday party. <laughs> consider gift. it for your next crisis. <laughs> God, we should be in advertising. Think about all the pregnancy <laughs> test companies <laughs> reaching hey, you know out what? to us. Hey, do you want to not get pregnant? Dipsy, have fun alone. <laughs> <laughs> we, really, we really need to reposition your product on the market as being a gift. <laughs> Give the gift of not having to go to Rite Aid in your sweats when you're already anxious. If you didn't pull out, pull out the best gift. A home pregnancy <laughs> test. Oh, no. I honestly love it. <laughs> pregnancy test companies, like, first response. Error-proof test, EPT? Yeah, the the one in this movie is EPT. That's okay. the one in the box. Reach out. Uh, but, like, Be Clear Blue is one, and then there's... Like now they're like digital. Like they're you pee on a stick, and a minute later it just says preggers on it. Pregante, pregonante. <laughs> oh, we're having a French baby. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, so we cut to Mel Gibson's house where he's watching TV, and he keeps skipping over any women on the TV. He just like doesn't even want to hear it. Yeah, and then he says, "There's too much estrogen on television these days," and I'm like, "Since when?" Primetime has been male-dominated since TV was invented, <laughs> and particularly at this time in oh, yeah. TV's history. Yeah. So he puts on Frank Sinatra, and he has a weird dance scene in the middle of this movie. I don't know. If I had to cut something, it's this. Yeah, it is sort of weird, especially because he's like too macho up Yeah, from, I guess, recover from all the estrogen on TV. He turns on Frank Sinatra and dances around his apartment with a hat. Which, yeah, I, I don't think it's like a feminine thing to do. That's not what I'm trying to say. It's just sort of like a weird way to prove you're masculine, I guess. It, it seems out of character for him. Like, he, he almost strikes me as a dude who wouldn't dance. Like, I don't know if you've met macho dudes who are just like, I don't dance. Yes, I have. I mean, honestly, like, I won't dance unless I'm at a wedding. And then I will dance to the point where you will ask me to stop. But largely because I'm <laughs> terrible at it. Yeah, I don't mean people who are self-conscious about 
the way they dance. Yeah. Because like my husband's not a big dancer and it's because he feels like he can't. He he does fine. But I also it's not worth it to me for him to be nervous. Yeah. Like if he's not going to have a good time doing it, I'm not going to force him to do it. Yeah. But there are dudes that flatter just like, no, dancing is for pussies like that level of dude. Hell yeah. I love that dumbness. Oh, OK. I was like, so like you, Mikey. But no, you don't think. No, I love to dance. I, one of the reasons I like dancing at weddings is because everyone's terrible at dancing at weddings. Yes. Yeah. And yes. so it's I fit in the great. lowest stakes on earth. Yes. Two bourbon Mikey at a wedding loves to dance, and then six <laughs> bourbon Mikey loves to throw up behind the dance floor. Oh, no. <laughs> anyway, so he starts to go through the box, and he's like, okay, lipstick. All right, lipstick on a guy's collar, but like, you know, some Tahitian lady. And like, he's just. So off base for what women would think about when purchasing lipstick. Oh, I mean, he's just going back to like the well that he is used to, right? Like that is like right. sex sells is very much right. where he lives. And he's never thought deeply about a topic in his life ever. But it's heterosexual sex from the male yes. gaze. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. That's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so he go- he decides that Frank Sinatra is not the right soundtrack. So he goes through his daughter's bag and finds Meredith Brooks's CD. <laughs> Yeah. And it's just like, as he's trying all this stuff, it's just, I'm a bitch, I'm a lover, I'm a child. I mean, that song like the song slaps, of though. the moment. It's so, the song yeah. does slap. It's so good. And he's got like a Biore strip on his nose, and he's got nail polish on and mousse, and then he puts his leg up and he's waxing his legs. Now, he's got the little like pot of wax in hot water in the sink. Yeah. Because it's kind of, I think it's kind of similar to like Nads was like the big thing uh, at the time. Uh, which was green i was i think the only reason it's not green in this is because they probably didn't have the rights to use like the brand name like the wax itself was green yes it looks like you're like pouring snot on your legs no 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 it's kind of like a turquoisey green okay like a jade yeah like a jade color and and you would either like you would slowly heat it kind of in the sink like that and then spread it and pull it now they make now uh pre-waxed strips that you can like heat between your hands and use on like your face or whatever. Oh God. And then for a while in college, I was using, they had, I think they still make this too. It's hard to find though. They had a pen where you you would like almost like a chapstick, like twist it up and then you could spread wax and then, but hair removal has come a long way. Sure. But he is very dumb in this scene because he like pours the wax or puts the wax on his leg and he's like, oh, uh-huh. that feels actually pretty good. And then he's like, apply the strip and he's like, oh, this is great. Why do they complain about this? And I'm like, because <laughs> you haven't done anything yet, you idiot. <laughs> and then he pulls it like he doesn't expect it to hurt. Like, I don't know. I thought this is like the dumbest thing I've ever seen a man do. I have a fun fact about that. So Mel Gibson actually did it for the movie. That doesn't surprise me. Just like when uh, Steve Carell did it for 40 year old version when it was his chest. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, But he said that it actually didn't hurt as bad as he portrayed in the movie. He says that he played it up and then he kept taunting all the women on set saying, come on, this doesn't hurt at all because he's an asshole. That is the most Mel Gibson thing I've ever heard in my life. Here's what I will say as someone who has been waxed quite a bit in their lifetime. Uh The better your waxing technician is, the less it hurts. Okay. I mean, that makes sense, I guess. That does sound incredibly painful still. Like, I wouldn't want to do that. Like, women's life is like so much more difficult than men's life in general. Men have stuff like that, too. Like, it's so annoying sometimes to have to, like, make 15% more than women at work. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> That's only white women, my dude. For literally doing the same job, we have to like be able to justify getting paid more. And that's a lot oh, of stress. You like it's God. a lot. <laughs> yeah. Uh. I have to like go to my boss and be like, "Come on, bro." <laughs> Come on, bro. <laughs> you know, now that I'm a landowner, I really see like wow, <laughs> landowner. Real interesting choice of words there, Mikey. Well, it's gonna come back around because I feel like people who don't own land shouldn't vote now. I guess it's like now oh I'm really God. seeing it. Oh fuck you! That's a real 1776 take you got there, yeah, Mikey. I think, I think male landowners are really like what drives like everything. You yeah, know Paige. What I'm before you got on the call here, Mikey and I were talking about how. <laughs> Women don't really need to vote because they're married and their husbands get to say what they do. So, like, oh, I hate that so. Oh, much. yeah, so do oh, I. It's terrible. Oh, but that's like very much so a Mel Gibson much. kind of take, right? It is, but it, it's also uh, there are many uh, prominent Republicans who who it believe that a if women couldn't vote, they wouldn't have lost the last election, and therefore women shouldn't vote. But also believe that idea of women shouldn't vote because their husbands can vote for them and both of those are bullshit well Paige I read in the bible that you should submit to your husband yeah are you also going to stop eating shellfish yes I hate that why I, I, I mean I hate yeah, yeah fuck that I <laughs> fucking Mikey. love shellfish so I guess I'm the best feminist in this podcast <laughs> 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 the question I would have for my sister is like, who uh, is the head of your household? Is it you or your wife? I know, right? <laughs> like, which one's the man? <laughs> oh man, that, that's not oh, a thing. But people ask people ask couples that all the time, and I'm like, that's not that's not how this works. This is where our our world is at. Yeah, I I have gone on dates where someone is like, I just one is a Christian male, I guess Christian male feminist liberal. Yeah. it's like a weird sub thing. Like go on yeah. dates and be like, I just want someone I can like spiritually submit to and like would lead us. And I was like, I really want like a, like a like collaborative, equal, like a partnership. Really, yeah. Yeah. Like a yes. real, I was like, I don't like when I make my own decisions a lot of the time. Cause like they've not gone well the last. I really want to crowdsource the decision making of this yeah. family. <laughs> like if that's what you're looking for, you're not going to like me. Let me tell you about the like, 17 times I've made terrible decisions. Right. What you're looking for is like ChristianMingle.com or something, I'd imagine. Not like. I, I don't know. Like, well, and like spiritual leader is like even different. It's like even weirder because I'm like, I, like God talks to you too. Or like God is there for like. Yeah. Do I get 17% more God than you? 17% <laughs> more God? <laughs> <laughs> On the dollar, you know? <laughs> If you could quantify God into dollars, I have 17% more God. You know, I think he just looks down upon me more now that I'm a landowner. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm really going to ask you to stop saying landowner yeah, like I really, that. Yeah, yeah. It feels, it feels weird. weird, right? It does, yes. Because <laughs> you're not it like does. saying anything weird and technically it's true, but it really sounds weird, right? Yeah. Because yeah. I, I too own a house. You're but a landowner, Todd. I don't refer yeah. to it that way. <laughs> it's like when guys say most females and you're like, why did you use the word females? I feel like you're about to say something real terrible. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Mel Gibson is like, that hurts. Who would do that more than once? So he puts on the pantyhose and he instantly gets runs in them. And I was just like, struggle's real, man. Struggle is real. But OK, apparently I learned today that the way he tries to put on the pantyhose is like wrong. 
right? Yeah, it's and that's super why long. he got runs because you're supposed to like bunch it up and then put your yep. toe in first and then like move it up your leg. Not yeah, like because put your toes your foot, will. Yeah. Will put your toe nails usually will put runs in, um, but also your fingernails can too. But that's what so that's why you bunch it up and then kind of like like shimmy it onto your legs. Yeah, yeah, and you do one at a time. Yeah, everybody puts their pants on one leg at a time. Well, it's so they only stretch so far. So you have to bunch one side up, get it like part of the way up your your calf, yeah. and then uh-huh. do the other one, and then literally go leg by leg. Yeah, just like my skinny jeans. And then <laughs> handle the control top part, which is super uncomfortable. Well, I'd imagine it's sort of like squeezing you together, right? Like, yeah, which like shapewear and stuff does too. Yeah, like but spanks I find and stuff is that like spanks? Yeah, spanks. Okay, okay. Yeah, they're like Under Armour, for, but like casual. It's a little different because spanks are like a different material, and I f- I find them more comfortable to wear than control top pantyhose because control top pantyhose were nylon, and so they're kind of itchy. And so it's like tight and itchy. Tell me more. My favorite. Especially yeah. when it would get hot outside. Ooh, like tight yeah. wearing yeah. wearing yeah. nylons when it's hot mm. is exceptionally terrible. Oh, I bet Ooh, it is. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. just awful. It's so, I'm so glad that nylons are not as popular anymore. And it's something that we kind of only do in winter these days. Because who boy did I hate wearing them. Yeah. Same. <laughs> As a landowner, I don't and understand. Fuck you. <laughs> fuck your landowner bullshit. But I mean, his daughter and her his daughter's boyfriend come in while he's like wearing these control he's top pantyhose. He's about to put on the Wonder Bra, which Ugh. honestly, I think we're missing out on some hilarity of trying to watch a man put on a bra. I can barely take one off. I know. Not 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 <laughs> about you personally, just in general. Men are bad at it. I I have only. <laughs> <laughs> I've only ever had one dude successfully remove my bra oh, easily. I've had, okay. And I yeah, and I commented on it in the moment. I was just like, sir. I can tell you the exact six times that has gone so smoothly for me. Because <laughs> every other time it's like hot and heavy, and then it's like, all right, let's do it. God. Okay. All right, p- pause, time out. Just take your bra off, please. And yeah. Uh-huh. Like, I've never had trouble. But they're like, this is terrible. Uh well, I, how, many, I, how many guys were there for that? Well, that's the key, right? Because you have one behind, and he's helping <laughs> you out in the back, the right? So, like, but like, yeah. Oh, there's a couple times where I was able to do like the snap, where I was like, "That's what right. I do." Yeah. But then you fuck that up. They hear a snap. The bra's still on, and they're and there's just like eye contact. And well, yeah. Like, if, you, if you're just snapping behind their back, like you're trying to call their dog over, yeah, that's gonna be a little weird. <laughs> what are you doing, snake jazz over there? <laughs> one guy did the snap, and it worked, and yes. I was like. Holy shit. And like it, it like stopped everything in the moment because I was like, that was amazing. Yeah, it's like if it, if you pull it <laughs> off, if you pull off a successful complicated bra remover, it's like sploosh, right? I but- <laughs> I also I love a complicated bra. I, I am a big titty lingerie bitch and I love it. Uh, and I can't tell you how many times Jake has gone to remove something and it like the moment's all hot and then he's like, What the mother? And I'm just like, okay, hold on. <laughs> I got it. You're like undoing the padlock and like, you like have those like safe cracking glasses. Like, well, and also it's like, you know, the lights are low, there's candles, and he's like, I can't see shit. Like, what is this? It's basically like the mini game of Rubik's Cube pops up while I'm trying to have sex, where I'm like, okay, and then we do, if we switch just to the left, I don't understand. Like, it's halfway off. Why can't I get the other half? Mike, he's over here just trying to mash the X button. You can't get it to work. 
That's why I like sports bras. You just like pull that shit off and you're like, look, sexy times. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird that you're wearing the sports bra, but I get it. I, 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 I do <laughs> like- <laughs> Well, nylon's itchy. <laughs> and everyone, I know. every man can use some support every now and then. <laughs> Here's the thing. I know that there are hundreds of listeners screaming at this right now about front closure bras. Yes. And I'm here to tell you. I have never worn a comfortable one as a big titted bitch. So like, no, it's not a thing. It's not a thing for everybody. But, you know, front closures. I, front I closures know they is good. Exist. Or like a zip, like a zip in the front. Also, I do love the zips. that's an easy one. My favorite one is when they're not wearing a bra, though. My favorite's Velcro. I'm worried about the mental capacity of the women you date. Don't you, don't you fucking do that. (laughs) I think that's offensive to women, me. I do love that Mikey's about to get hot and heavy and you hear a... (laughs) I think some of the worst thing about front closure for me is a lot of them have this same kind of like thing where you have to like turn them sideways and then like slide them up and down. That's what I usually do later. <laughs> but I, I usually I can't see them as I'm trying to put them on. And so like I can't get them. I can barely get my boots on. I'm a big idiot. I don't know. Y'all have complicated stuff. Yeah. At the beginning of that sentence when it started with I have trouble getting my boots on, we knew it you're a big idiot. Yeah. <laughs> this episode is sponsored by Podcorn. Hey everybody, Paige here. We built our podcasts from the ground up and advertising helps us keep the lights on. But we aren't part of a network and we don't have access to big corporate agencies. How do we do it? Easy. We use Podcorn. If you have a podcast, you know that advertising is one of the best ways that you can earn money with your show. But most people don't know where to start. Podcorn is an ad marketplace that helps you connect with podcast sponsorship opportunities without the middleman. You can set your own rates and partner with sponsors to create interviews, topical discussions, or host red ads like this one. The best part is you don't have to join a network or give up any rights to your show to use it. With Podcorn, you have control. So if you're ready to take your show to the next level, click the link in our show notes and sign up with Podcorn today. Tell them we sent you. Anyway, so he's in the pantyhose and is about to put on the Wonder Bra, and his daughter and Cameron walk in. Yeah. And he's like, hey, I was just doing research. And they're like, yeah, sure, re- <laughs> research. Literally is the worst way to meet your daughter's boyfriend. Like, I know. Yeah. And as he kind of like turns away from them, he sees her kiss him in the mirror. Yeah. And he's like, did you just kiss that guy? And she's like, did you go through my stuff for my Meredith Brooks CD? And he's like, yeah, sure. Uh. Cameron the boyfriend leaves and he and his daughter have this exchange where she's like you never listen to me and he's like of course I do and she's like what's my boyfriend's name and he does not know it like he was just introduced to him I literally thought to myself I was like there's no way Mikey knows the person's name listeners at home I've done what hundreds of episodes of podcasts now I maybe six of those seven eight nine or ten movies that I knew the names of the characters like McCready but like that's all I'm that's all I really remember from the thing. And that's like one of my favorite movies. <laughs> Mikey, in this scene, uh, when this happens, I was like, is it Alex? Is his name Alex? Is the boyfriend's name Alex? And Natalie was like, it's Cameron. He just yes. said it. He just said it. <laughs> it's like shit. Okay, my bad. I'm the same way at work. I'm like, can I get your card? 
Oh. Just for future reference. I'm terrible. It's nice like to see you too. again. Can I see your card? And I'm like, doing comedy the way I have for as long as I have, I have run into a lot of people along the way. Sure. That I will never remember. There's just too many of yeah. them. Yeah. Um, but sometimes they remember me instead. Like they, you know, saw me or saw a roast battle or whatever. And so people will come up and be like, oh my God, hi. And if you're one of those people, just like always introduce yourself. I don't feel bad. And it is not about me not liking you or whatever. There's just like way too many people to remember. So I will usually default to if I recognize, like if I can tell from your face, I'm like, I do know you somewhere. I'll just be like, hey, good to see you again. And just not use your name. Yeah. (laughs) Because like, I don't know it. Uh, Please tell me it. (laughs) Please help. You're only allowed to get mad if like there was some sort of intimacy and they don't remember your name. That is the worst. Yes. That's never happened to me. Me either. Oh, no, Mikey. (laughs) So we cut to the uh, he goes his daughter goes to sleep. He goes back to playing around in the box and he's got the hair dryers. He's trying to kind of like blow dry the mousse and he slips and falls into the bathtub and gets electrocuted by the hairdryer. Yes. In what is very funny. If you look at the scene where he's like sliding on the like the bath pellets bath or whatever beads. they're called. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it's very clear he is holding on to something that is supporting all of his weight when they're showing just the legs. Because the yes. legs are just like kicking over the ground like he's like a child in a chair that's too tall for him. And it yep. makes me laugh every time I see it. <laughs> um I also want to note that we've been recording for almost two hours and have just now gotten to the part where he can hear women's thoughts. Oh, yeah. But I'm going to have to cut out a lot because it's a lot of us just chatting about our lives and dates. Yep. Yeah. So he wakes up the next morning and he can hear his cleaner's thoughts and his housekeeper's thoughts. And he doesn't quite notice yet because she's kind of turned away from him every time yeah because she's like going about doing her job ass job which is to clean his house because probably because she has a bunch to do that day and she wants to get on to the next one right because she has a life to live and so as she's like thinking things she's turning around and grabbing stuff and he thinks she's actually saying it because it sounds to him exactly like it does when someone's speaking yeah the premise of the movie is that he hears women's thoughts yes yeah that is in fact the case yeah yeah just laying it out there for like the dumber listeners you know i don't think anyone was unaware of it mikey it's all on a bell curve (laughs) cool uh so he goes downstairs and the woman who helped him catch a taxi the day before is helping him today and she's like mentally cat calling him yeah Yeah. she even like growls at him at one point i was like oh yeah 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 and he feels uncomfortable but she's not actually saying it which i i think is really interesting to like because it sometimes seems so hard to make men understand how those comments and things can be so uncomfortable for women and she's not even saying it and he's uncomfortable with it anyway yeah that's why i keep my cat calling in my mind there you, that's where it should be uh, sure that's where it can stay I don't know. i've never understood cat calling like there's no way that could possibly actually work anyway but like i did love that he is clearly the kind of guy that would do that shit in public and now Absolutely. he's getting it from someone else even though she's not saying it it still makes him uncomfortable which to me was very funny i was like he deserves every fucking bit of this and i love it he does he does yeah uh we cut through he walks through the park 
This is also a thing that made me think it was New York because he goes on this walk through what looks yes, very looks much Central like Park. Central Park. Yeah, I assumed yeah. it was because they hadn't dropped that it was Chicago yet. But I guess yeah. if you know skylines, you know it's Chicago at the very beginning because they do I show guess, like a I skyline of the city. But like, yeah. I don't I, I don't know skylines like that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so he's hearing all of these women as he passes them and he's starting to go crazy. Yeah. And he runs into his office, almost knocks over Judy Greer. And she makes this comment of like, oh, too bad he missed. And he has this moment of like, oh, she's kind of funny. Like her her depressing, sad thoughts were kind of funny. And then he hears the women in his office as he passes them. Yeah. And hears them be basically how much they hate him, how, how much they're like, don't look at him. He'll make a gross joke or like stay away from me. You were heavy on the aftershave. Or there was one girl that he body shamed in his initial walk through the office. Yeah. And she's now eating a rice cake instead of like a Danish from the first one. And it's like, oh, like your body's perfect. Fuck you. What's interesting is that he pretty much acts like a schizophrenic person or someone who's hearing voices like physically and like the way his facial tics are are, are going or with his facial reactions. Mm -hmm. I mean, he is hearing voices like I know it's pretty accurate of like how like scared he gets and like out of nowhere and people are like what is wrong with this guy it's kind of a really good like sense of like what that would be like kind of an empathy experience but also like i thought about watching this of how i think hearing people's thoughts would be like maybe the worst superpower to have oh yeah it would be the most i think depressing because you would hear like all this shit that it's like just i I don't know i wouldn't want to hear someone's internal monologue well, not every thought is a choice either. Like stuff pops yeah. into your mind and it's not something you believe, but you're like, I mean, intrusive thoughts are a thing for sure. I, honestly, I think we actually see that in the meeting later. So like, yeah, he is really upset because he's hearing all this stuff. But his coworker comes in and is like, we got to go to that meeting and kind of drags him into that meeting, even though he's trying to like find a therapist or whatever. Yeah, he's like frantically going through the phone book, which is a very old sentence to say. But yeah, he's like looking for a <laughs> mental health professional yeah and he he overhears judy greer's monologue again of like what if i just put the fruit down and jumped yeah and like which honestly terrible but then if you think about the visual kind of crazy in in a funny way like yeah yeah absurdist humor yeah yeah absurdist humor and just like set the tray down and just ran through the window i'd be like shocked and appalled but also like Like, you know, when <laughs> when she throws that foot at the sliding glass door in audition, oh, like man. that level of, yeah. you know, dark, dark humor. I think at first he thinks she's just like a very dark but funny person. Right. And then he starts to realize, oh, no, she's being serious. Mm-hmm, and that's like mm-hmm. his journey with her, her like Aaron's subplot. And right. I sort of like that because it's like, oh, no, she's funny. She's just a little quiet. And then you're like, oh, no, mm. she's she needs help. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, So he shows it to the meeting and he's listening to Helen Hunt's thoughts and he actually kind of tries in this first meeting, which I think is really interesting that he like he doesn't just immediately try to act like a dick. He actually does try to use what he's hearing. Yeah. To make something cool. Yeah. Although it it fails spectacularly, which I love a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Because he overhears Anna Gasteyer's thoughts about Advil. Of like she fakes a headache whenever she doesn't want to have sex, which also I'm like communication and consent is a thing. Not yeah. ev- people don't want to have sex all the time. You know, you just got to talk about it. Yeah. You know, figure it out. Yeah, figure it out. And he really kind of misfires on using that as an ad campaign. But Helen Hunt's at least like, well, he's trying like he's not 
completely blowing me off, basically. He's trying. So he comes home early and walks in on his daughter and her boyfriend making out on the couch. Like heavily making out. Like they're like laying on each other on the couch. Hot and heavy. Yeah. And this is where he finds out that the boyfriend is 18 and he's just like, uh, no, like fuck, get out. Like, no, thank you. And his daughter's like, hey, you don't get to talk about what my life should be you didn't raise me you're not there mom gets to decide essentially yeah and so she actually leaves with her boyfriend they like Mm. go out somewhere we don't know where but she leaves for the rest of the night yeah he notices that there's a thunderstorm outside puts on all the stuff from the box goes out (laughs) into the thunderstorm with a blow dryer and gets struck like lightning so stupid he literally Hilarious. just holds it up and then, but it is lightning that strikes the yeah. the thing, right? Yeah. That would kill you, I think. Oh, yes. well, I don't know if it would or not. I'm not a lightning It would be very likely would, yeah. to kill you. But it wouldn't do yeah. some damage. It wouldn't then put you softly onto your couch for you to wake up the next morning. Yeah, this is some Kate and Leopold type shit. Oh, yeah. So he wakes up on his couch the next day and he's like, thank God I got rid of it. But he can't, he hasn't found a woman to test it on yet. Uh, So he goes outside. I do sort of love this because he's like, he's like looking for a woman everywhere. He can't find one. So he like, he goes out of his apartment looking for the door lady. She's not there. Looks up and down the street. It's only dudes. I was like, what, what is happening right now? Yeah. Well, and he, he takes a cab to a department store. Yeah. But there's construction outside, so we can't hear anything. Um, And then he goes into the department store and he doesn't really hear anything. But then he sees two women signing and he can hear them. And he's like, oh, no, I can still hear people. So he rushes out of the department store to his therapist uh, or previous therapist. I was about to say his therapist 10 years ago. But yeah. (laughs) Right. Uh, And and he's like, hey, you might not remember me. And she's like, oh, fuck this guy. And he's like, oh, good. You remember me. Sorry to barge in. I love Bette Miller, too. She's great in this. Yes. Great in everything. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. So he basically tells her what she's thinking. He like proves it to her. Yeah. With like, think of a number, think of this. And so she basically is like, look, okay, let's say I believe you. If you can hear what women want, you need to learn from this because like, this is what women wish all men had. Like you have an asset here. You have to use this. I did sort of hate that she like, as a therapist was like, oh, you need to use this against women. Yeah. Well, I, I don't think that's what she intended, but that is definitely what that she That is suggests. definitely how he takes it. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I mean, I'm sure Bette Midler was not thinking that he was going to use this to destroy his boss's like career, but right. she's essentially the one that like gives him the plan to do that. Right. Exactly. So we cut to he goes to the coffee place and he's talking to Marissa Tomei and he can hear her thoughts and that she's like, I've been hurt too many times. And so he uses what she's saying to ask her out. Yeah. For that night. Um, We cut to he walks into his office and he's trying to still prove it to his coworker, and he's like, yeah, that lawyer says that she thinks you're overpaid and gay. That lawyer, by the way, is like law and order royalty. Like yeah. she is on so many episodes of law and order. It's insane. I was like, what is she doing in Chicago? She's an ADA or whatever. Yeah. Like, dun, 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 <laughs> in dun, New York. Dun, yeah. Dun, dun. yeah. So he then overhears Sarah Paulson, who's like she and he kind of overheard her the day before where she's like, I went to an Ivy League school. I'm educated. And yet you have me fetching coffee and paying me minimum wage. And pay. well, today is the one where he's like, it's OK 
that you pay me minimum wage because I use the company phone to call my boyfriend in Israel every week. (laughs) (laughs) Did sort of love that. And she's like, hey, can I get your coffee? And he doesn't make her go get it. He's like, actually, I know where it is. I'll go grab it. Yeah, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Uh, He helps Aaron up. Because they knock Aaron over. She drops all her files. So he stops and helps her up. And she's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. She says, there is life on this planet. Yeah. Which I think is really interesting. He goes into Darcy's office and he's kind of reading her mind a little bit, listening to her, listening in, that she's going to target the Nike's women's division. Nobody knows that they're shopping for ads yet. And he's kind of using things that she thinks to try and ingratiate himself with her. This is the first time he starts doing this with her. Yeah. And it's a little manipulative. And I think that there's a point in the movie at which he tries to kind of stop listening in because he realizes it's manipulative. Like once he starts falling for her, it's a little he kind of like is conflicted about what he's doing. Yeah. I right. think. But in this scene, he's trying to actively like unseat her. He's trying to prove that he's amazing. Yes. So that he gets her job. Yeah. And so he basically talks her into like, let me try and put something together for the Nike campaign. Let's do it. And she's like, okay, fine. You can take a run at it. Great. So we cut to uh, his daughter has called and she's on line one. And Helen Hunt's like, oh, I didn't think he had a daughter. Like, that's surprising. Yeah. And he explains. She's 15. Her mom's away on her honeymoon. And his daughter's like, hey, my friends are going to come over tonight. And he's like, OK, see you later. And he then explains to Helen Hunt like, oh, she's got her. She's going to prom. Her boyfriend's 18 and I hate it. And he starts. I, I feel like in some ways, because he's hearing other people's thoughts, he starts telling people more and being more vulnerable because yeah. he can hear them. I also feel like at this point in the movie, he's still sort of manipulating some oh, people. Oh, absolutely. So like, I think absolutely. he's doing it, not necessarily revealing his true feelings, but revealing what he wants them to think are his true feelings. Right. I think it's also unconscious to a degree that early on where yeah. as he's manipulating, he's just, you know, the way you're like, oh yeah, because it's this. Not realizing that typically he would never open up to a, a female coworker that way. Right. But it's because he has put himself in this position to try and manipulate them. He is doing it unconsciously. I could definitely so, see So like that. he's so focused on manipulating that he ends up being vulnerable. Um, <laughs> so he comes home and his daughter's friends are there and he's listening into their brains and is also like and, and they're like, he's terrible. He forgot her birthday. And he's like, yeah, he's a terrible father. Yeah, and I think he does feel, I think he does this to make her look bad and feel bad of like, yeah, we'll go get your prom dress, whatever you want, new makeup, everything. Yeah. But I think there's also a twinge of guilt there a little bit. From her? Where he's, no, from him, where he's finally hearing how shitty he has been to her. Yeah, Yeah, because her being in his space for the next two weeks is very much a reflection of how shitty he is as a father. Like, he's not even providing food for them. I mean, he does, but, like, when when her friends get there, there's no food in the house because he lives sort of a bachelor, like, living out of his house sort of life. Like, I I mean, he is a shitty dad, and I think her being there, like... Highlights it. Makes him realize it. Absolutely, yeah. Well, he's he's a very self-centered perspective, and... I don't think he meant to do some of those things like, oh, shit, there isn't any food in the house. So, like, how does yeah. that affect other people? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think there's a lot of things that he encounters in this movie that are him just not thinking of other people and not thinking that his actions impacted other people in this way. And also thinking that everyone likes him and that the, the way he is, is positive for everyone around him. And even normal. And even normal. Yeah. And I think the way 
like the more he hears from people of like, you have impacted my life negatively, he starts to kind of take a step back of like, oh, shit. Yeah. Like uh, people don't like me. What did I do at this next scene with because he goes out on the date with Marissa Tomei. Yeah. And he's listening into her on the date and they end up going up to her apartment. They're having sex and he's literally listening to how she actually feels about what he's doing in bed and she's not liking it. And that's like a revelation because he's just like, this is what I always do. This is like, and I think for him, he's like, it's always been good for me. So why yeah. wouldn't it be good for, and it's the revelation of holy shit. Women actually do have feelings, but not only that, just there's a whole extra person here yeah. whose thoughts and feelings exist in this space, in this interaction that I didn't know before. And I wasn't thinking about before. And so how many times have I been, shitty sex to somebody it seems like almost every time up till this i point. would have been way Who more cares? upset oh, by that dear. by that revelation <laughs> i would have been like if i suddenly found out that every time i had sex with someone it was terrible i would feel terrible and what a brutal way for mel gibson to find out he had a small dick yeah or that it at least was not as big as she thought but also size is only one factor and not oh, the yeah, most but important one. Speaking as a man, if I heard like the internal monologue of someone I was about to have sex with for, for the first time, and that was something that came across their mind, that would be soul crushing. But you have just as many of those soul crushing thoughts about someone. I mean, like those, it's natural for some of those things to run through your head because you're processing. It doesn't mean yeah. you believe it. It doesn't mean you feel it. It doesn't mean it's fact. You're like, oh, you know, I don't really like that. Or I like that. Or, well, you know, like, it, it, mm -hmm. and like it, it, it doesn't, it, I don't know. Like, thoughts are so complex. <laughs> thoughts are so complex, but some of them are not. Like, get your tongue out of my mouth is not right. that complex. You know, like. Oh, no. Yeah. No, but being like, you know, I don't like her boobs. Or I really do like her boobs. And like, it would, you would hear both of those thoughts over and over. You would hear like, you hear like, you, you, I don't know. What's going on in your head during sex? Like, that's what I want to know now. Like, I, I, I Oh, nothing. In a romantic interaction, I'm only having the thoughts that she's having of like, get your tongue out of my mouth, whatever. If it's going bad and I'm not into it. Right. If I'm into it, I would say that the thoughts are, and, and we talked about this when we talked about Dipsy forever ago, but the idea of contextual framing, yeah. where it's like, it it's not a definitive thought, it's an abstract concept or whatever. And so I think, I kind of, there's not an easy way to represent that in this movie, but I do think the thoughts that she's having as it's going badly are accurate. And like, yeah. that is an accurate rep representation of how that would go. And then we skip to, like he goes to the bathroom to try and like kind of reset and then he comes back and he actually listens to her. The implication is that he listens to her and it was amazing. Yeah, like he actually clues into what she's saying and not thinking about it from the perspective of, well, how does this impact me? Right. He's like, oh, maybe I can use this to make the experience better for her. We don't actually see that. We only see the aftermath of it because she's like blown away with right. how great it is. But so that has to have happened, but we don't actually see it. And what's interesting is I think at a certain point, if it really was going that well, he wouldn't be able to listen in because it would just be like, ooh, it'd be abstract. Ooh. Yeah. He, he would lose the train. But anyway, so we cut to him going to yoga, listening to women's thoughts, getting a manicure, uh, jogging too close to women, which is terrifying. Dude, when I when he's out there jogging and like you, can, I mean, I know what they're trying to do. He's like they're trying to win the Nike account 
for like yeah. their their women's line of shoes or whatever. So like I understand what they're doing, but he there's no one else on the road, and he is like in step with that woman oh, right next to I, her. I like, would be like terrified. So <laughs> and here's the thing: if he can hear her thoughts. I, and that's a thing that's not in this movie that I wish was in this movie of him realizing how scared people are. Yeah. Sometimes. Like, like yeah. actually scared. Like, oh, my God, this person might hurt me scared. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Because I think that's a thing that e- even well-meaning men who think well of women don't always realize how much they are scaring somebody. Yeah. And that's one of those things that I'm like, if I could pick things for men to hear, that's one of them. Of like, you are scaring me right now. Like, I don't know you, so I don't want to talk to you or engage you. But like, I need to get away. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, and I think like it's one of my favorite John Mulaney bits where he realizes that a woman's afraid of him on the subway. Yeah. And he's just running <laughs> to catch a train. and But then she thinks he's chasing her and he's like, no, I'm not trying to rape you. I'm just a little boy. <laughs> You're just like, what? But th- this is. In this scene, I would have loved to have heard it and then for him to be like, oh, and then hang back to like. Yeah, that would be perfect in that scene. But it's it's very much in like done in a montage and the music yeah. is all you're hearing. So you don't hear any. Of yeah, that. you don't hear it. So um, we cut to he's kind of like taking her Darcy's ideas at work. Because he can hear her think of them and then present them first. Yeah, I, I really love the way they do that with the montage. Like she comes up with this artwork or whatever, and she's working yeah. with like a graphic designer there, and he bring, she brings it into Alan Alda to like show it to him, and he's like, "Oh, I already have this," and it's like Nick's version of what she her idea, right? Right. Yeah. We cut to he's in the break room laughing with all of the women that he used to be kind of a dick to. Yeah. And like they're having like a fun time joking. And uh, Sarah Paulson comes in and is like, well, I told him I wasn't moving to Israel. And so I think he broke up with me. And he gives her actually good advice of like, he'll call you. Yeah. Like, don't call him back. He will call yeah. you. And in in, a, in some way, it's like he's using what he knows about the way that men often think. Yeah. And then getting the insight of how women relate to that. Like the other the, one of his other coworkers who is like, if he's not interested in me, it like it's me or the TV. And he says and but then she has this like moment of self-doubt of like, well, what if he says that I'm not interesting? And he then answers her is like, he won't say that you're not interesting. Yeah. Like. You are worth this, basically. Yeah. But this is where I think we really start to see him, after all that listening, get to a point of, like, caring about what they think a little bit. Yeah. Because none of these women are of consequence in his story, if that makes sense. Like, they don't have bearing on how the love story goes or or him getting the job. This is just him kind of doing research, but then getting invested in these women's lives because he's starting to see them as people. Yeah, they're literally just people he works with. Like, there's no advantage yeah. necessarily for him doing all this stuff. But it, he does it because yeah. he's like, he's like, oh, these people are like real people, and they're worth talking to and listening to. It's like yeah. the most bonkers revelation I've ever seen in a movie. Yeah, he suddenly finds everyone around him more interesting. Yeah, holy <laughs> shit, women are like people. Well, like seventeen percent less. Oh people. my god. <laughs> <laughs> Paige is flicking me off. And should be. 
Anyway, so he as he leaves, he says, this was fun. And but I think he genuinely means it where he's like, I enjoyed talking with all of you. Great. He goes into Darcy's office and they're kind of talking about the Nike campaign. And he has like a proposed copy that's not quite what they want, but it's on the right track. Yeah. And then he listens into her thinking about what new copy would be. And based on what she's thinking, he pitches new copy. And he's like, she's like, yeah, that's exactly, that's where I was thinking. That's where my brain was going. And I think for a moment, this is one of the first times that he really realizes like, oh, she's good at her job. Yes. Like she is figuring this out and thinking about this. I mean, you even hear her sort of internal creative process because we Mm -hmm. sort of hear what he's hearing, right? Right. And she's like in the orbit of what they actually eventually settle on. And then he- Honestly, I've been in like not to bring up the songwriting sessions that I've been doing a lot of recently, but like th- that's sort of what it feels like in these sessions. You're like, okay, we want to say this, but we only have this many syllables or this many lines to say all that. How do you like consolidate it down? And then as a group, you sort of come up with that, right? And it's like right. they do sort of collaborate here on her idea, right? Yeah, and I I actually do really think it's interesting how this is shot because she's kind of in the foreground and we're hearing her creative process. But we're watching his face yeah, and watching him realize like, oh, that's how I think of it. But like, but from her perspective, like I get what she's trying to do now, essentially. So they talk through it. They settle on copy, which is no games, just sports, which I actually do like. Yeah, it's good. The campaign they come up with is pretty great. And uh, she basically is like, thank you for working on this. I heard you were an asshole and I was kind of dreading working with you. And he's like, I heard you were a man hating bitch. And that's not, but that's not who either of us are basically. And he tells her, he's like, I don't think that's who you are. And I think he means it to be honest in this moment. I think he's still trying to get the job and still manipulating her. And this is the scene where she's like looking at his dick and he's like thrusting it kind of. Yeah. He's got like hands on his hips. Yeah. But like, I think that he very much is still like going through with the plan at this moment. I don't think he even wants to stop that until it's too late. Like the damage has been done. Yeah. And I think in this moment he is like, she is talented she is good at this, but I still want this job. Like both things can exist of like, he wants her job. He wants her position, but he is understanding and respecting her. He just doesn't care about fucking her over yet. Right. So we cut to. Later that day, because he's been working late trying to figure out how to, you know, do stuff on the campaign. And he sees that she's also there working late with a bunch of campaigns spread out on her desk. And he basically decides to stay and work with her on them and try to kind of foster their creative relationship together. Yeah, he enjoys working with women. It's something he was surprised to find out. I mean... That's kind of why I ended up liking this movie is that essentially he learns not only does he enjoy women as people, but that he values and treasures women as people like he goes from hating them and not considering them people to actively surrounding himself with them. Because he enjoys them. I kind of love it. Yeah. Especially for a movie of this time. Like I do feel like it's... Like for the time? Crazy. Yeah. But he tells her about that he tried everything on in the box because he wanted to figure it out. And he talks about how his daughter, you know, caught him and how they're going to go dress shopping. And we cut to the next day where they're at Saks Fifth Avenue and he and the daughter are dress shopping, which... The gray is the new black dress. I just have in my notes, tell Cersei it was me. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. That, that is that exact dress. I thought the same dress. thing. Yeah. 
Um, but she goes through a bunch of different dresses. I did like the black glittery one that he said no, but I understand. Most of them. That was the one with the deep cut back. Yeah. It did look great. I don't know if it's like a sign of the time. No, it's not because I went to prom like two years after this. Yeah. These dresses were all pretty conservative. Um, yes. They all were. I mean, even the one with the back yeah. that was cut out, the one that Paige just said she liked, like the top, like the front it of it was like not revealing classy. at all. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. That was kind of the style at the time. And Oh, no. The crop top stuff. I mean, like. So we weren't allowed to wear those. Like, we had a dress code. Oh, uh, we had not. And it was. Oh, okay. Yeah, we didn't either. Yeah. The dresses looked way more scandalous than that in high school. Mm. So I, I was like, wow. I, I mean, the montage was like making the big, like, oh, this is incredibly, like, too sexy for. Like, I was like, oh, that's like a nice conservative dress. Like, I, I, as a dad, I'd be like, oh, you look very pretty. I thought you looked very pretty in most of those dresses. Yeah, I love the yeah. one she picked. The one she picked is actually a pretty great dress. It is. Uh, it, it is very flattering on her. Anyway, so they do pick out that one dress. I do really like it. Uh, and he overhears her as she's in it talking about like, I need a padded bra. I can't believe I'm going to be wearing this the last night I'm a virgin. And that she has essentially promised her boyfriend yeah. that she would sleep with him after prom. Yeah. And he decides that he's going to try and talk to her about it over lunch. And I do think his intentions are good. I think he kind of bungles it a little bit. He's not a good dad. Like, he doesn't know how to go about it. He's not a good dad. He hasn't been yeah. around. And I think what he's trying to get across to her is like, do it when you're ready. You don't owe him anything. Right. Essentially. Which like, is don't right. Don't feel pressured. Yeah. 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 He's on the right track, I would say, because he doesn't he doesn't come right out and be like, don't do it. He's like, do it because you love someone because you chose it. Yeah. And and she's like, yeah, mom told me this at like 11. And he's like, well, OK, fine. And she's like, who are you to talk about relationships anyway? You are a womanizing asshole. So, like, I'm not going to listen to you. Yeah. And I think he's kind of bummed out that she won't because I do think he like had her best interests at heart. I think he does too, but this is where like being a shitty dad for her whole life yep. is a problem, right? It, because he yeah. actually is trying to give her good advice and she's like, well, you're a womanizing asshole because up until this point he has been, uh, yeah. she's not going to take his advice. Yeah. And I think she's right not to do so based on his track record. Like, Understandable. Yeah. Yes. We cut to him at home watching TV and this is kind of a like comparing to the scene earlier where he switches over women on TV the whole time. This time he's switching over the men and he's watching women. Yeah. And so he's watching Martha Stewart do a wedding cake and he stops on, it was either a Jenny Craig or a Weight Watcher, Watchers infomercial. And he's like crying along with her. Yes, which yeah. there's a part of me that's like, I wish you had picked a different infomercial. <laughs> but it is to the year 2000. Yeah. <laughs> like the level of fat shaming we get in this movie is so much less than most other movies at the time. Uh, I will I let guess. it slide. Yeah, but we I still mean, get some. Yeah, we yeah. still get some. Can't have a movie without it, apparently. Well, not at this time. <laughs> yeah, not at this time. I mean, it's not like as bad as Shallow Hal. So it, it does it better than a lot of movies of the time, but it's still bad. Yeah. The phone rings and it's Darcy and he can tell before she even says anything because he can hear her thinking. Um, and they decide to go out for drinks at a jazz club. Yeah. And they end up kind of sitting and talking. And he actually kind of comments to her like, I do appreciate that you speak your mind. Yeah. Because I think what he's realized is that her thoughts seem pretty close to what she says. Yeah, pretty congruent. That she's just, yeah. Yeah, she's coming out with it. And she expresses to him that that has not always been great for her. Or up until this point, it's been a negative in her life. Yeah. And caused I problems. I feel you, Helen Hunt. 
Yeah, same. Of course, my thoughts yeah. are probably dumber and more offensive than hers. I am sure they are. I, I will say <laughs> I am one of many women who uh, dudes have been on a date or two with and been like, I'm intimidated by you and therefore we're not going to continue to date for this exact reason. So like, I very much empathized with her at this moment. Yeah, yeah at least I'm a landowner. <laughs> oh God, <laughs> gotta stop with that. But she then also talks about how she was involved with a coworker and the better she did, the worse their relationship did. Yeah. Because they were competitive. And ultimately he did not value her as a person for her talents, which is really uh, it's so tough when you work in the same field as somebody to be able to separate that and to just be able to be happy for someone for doing well. Yeah. And I think that's a challenge no matter what, but particularly when you work together. But it's a lot harder when you don't view someone as a person with their own successes and thoughts and dreams and goals. I mean, I've never I remember the kind of guy that gets like bombed because their girlfriend makes more money than them. Like, that's cool to me. That's great. Yeah, that's a win for everybody in the house. I would love to be a stay at home kept man. Same. <laughs> I I mean, I'm I'm one of them breadwinning ladies. What's up? Yeah, it's great. My husband also makes money like it's not. It's just we have very different jobs. I'm not the breadwinner, mostly because I'm on low carbs. Is Macy the breadwinner at your house? <laughs> Macy. Yeah. It's because she's so quick. She snatches it up real quick. Uh -huh. She snatches it up, but also she's been winning those Yukonuba dog trophies for years. And just <laughs> Mikey hasn't told us about it. He couldn't tell us. He had like an NDA. It was like a whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, she also admits to having some what I will call imposter syndrome. Yeah. Where she's like, I wasn't sure I could do the job. And he's like, of course you could do the job. Like, I have... In working with you, seeing how good you are at this. And I think this is, he hasn't stopped the plan yet necessarily, but I think this is him realizing that maybe she deserves to be where she is. Yeah, that she's earned the job that she's in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I also think you're right that he is not necessarily going to stop doing what he's doing. But I do think this is the start of him starting to reconsider it. Well, because this is where he actually says in this section, I think you should present to Nike, like maybe you should do it. He kind yes. of like hints at it. Uh, and we cut to, they end up making out and he goes to put her in a cab and he can hear her debating like, oh, at, like ask him to come back to your apartment. And he doesn't even give her the chance. He just says, good night. I'll see you at work. Yeah. So he like classy dude, classy dude for the first time in his life. Yeah. For the first time ever. Yeah. But I think he also I, I think to a degree, this is him not wanting to manipulate her. Does I think so, too. Sense? Yeah. I think this is him starting to draw a line of like, no, I have to. I care about her, so I can't do what I would normally do here. Yeah. So he goes home and runs into Marissa Tomei. And this is where I don't love this. And, and I know it was for that gag. And like, that's why they include it. But she he overhears her in her mind saying, please be gay, because then it means that I'm not undesirable. Yeah. Which there's a part of me that's like. Girl, we need to go to some therapy. Like, yeah. hey. Also, it's Marissa Tomei. She's right. gorgeous. You're gorgeous. Well, it doesn't matter outward appearance. Like that inward. is true. That is true. You're right. I don't know. I don't love that he like just pretends to be gay in this scene for whatever, but it does like make her feel better because he treated her like shit. But he did treat her like shit. Like he had sex with her yeah. and then didn't call her for ever. I mean, it, it was six days afterwards and he had not talked to her since. Yeah, well, and I also think he never thinks about how his actions impact women or has not up until this point. Right. And I think this is one more of those pieces where he's like, oh, like, I did this. Like, this is, I caused her to feel bad 
that was not my intention, but it is what happened. Yeah. I think he thinks that he is being kind to her in this moment. I just think that it's a little tone deaf, but it is also the year 2000. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, we cut to the next day at the office and Darcy's boyfriend from Israel is there because he clearly called and was like, all right, I'm moving back. Not only called, he moved from Israel. <laughs> like, Oh, sorry, not not Darcy's boyfriend, Sarah Paulson's boyfriend. Yes, but he, yeah, yeah, yeah. He grabs Darcy and he tells her, I think you need to pitch at Nike's meeting because at this point he is trying to derail his plan. Yeah. He's like, I know <laughs> that I have kind of been stealing your ideas and you should head this and I don't want to get in the way of you doing well. And this is what he's trying to do. And she says like, no, it was your idea. You should do it. I'll see you in there. And clearly the meeting's like in a few minutes. Yeah. So he listens to Aaron and... Aaron is saying, how long would people notice before I was gone? How yeah. long would the files pile up? And so he starts to ask some of the other girls, like, what's her deal? And they're like, well, she wanted to be a copywriter. And he's like, did anyone meet with her? And he's, they're like, no, you told us to blow her off. Yeah. And he's like, oh, no. And he's like, well, I want to meet with her now. So, like, give me her info. But before that can happen, he has to go to the Nike presentation. And he nails it. But this is where, on the way into that presentation, he has the conversation with his coworker. And he's like, they don't have penis envy. They don't care about yes. it. Half of them don't even like it. Like, what we've been about going about this all wrong, basically. <laughs> yeah. The presentation for Nike goes great. I mean, they essentially buy it in the room. Like, we don't hear yeah. them say anything, but we hear their internal monologue. They're like, where did we sign up? Or whatever. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so we cut to him in his office and he's writing a letter to Darcy. He's trying to basically confess what he did. Yeah. And she interrupts him and is like, here's champagne. We nailed that account. We've got to go celebrate. So they go to her apartment that she has just bought. Yeah. And they're making out in all of the empty rooms, which is very fun. If you ever are moving into a new place and you get the chance to christen it while it's empty, do it. It is fun. So yeah. fun. Yeah. And now the one thing, though, so her bedroom has these like French doors that open out. And I know that this is a set, clearly. Yes. Uh, but French doors that open out onto these balconies that are rimmed with like bushes and trees. And the doors for the French doors don't have any kickers or anything on the bottom. And all I could think was her bedroom will be full of cockroaches and rats. Because <laughs> like they would full sneak of in. Them. Yeah. And spiders yeah. and centipedes and everything. Not great. But we cut to the next day. He goes in to talk to Dan, his boss. And his, his boss is like, hey, we won the Nike account. Congratulations. And he actively is like, you should be congratulating Darcy. She did a lot of the work on that. Yeah. Which again, this is before. He has not found out that they're going to fire her, that he's going to get a job or anything. He is actively trying to set things right before yes. anyone told him. He came to the realization on his own and he's going to try and set it right. He does find out in this scene though, right? Because Alan Alda like, is like, we fired her. She took the severance this morning. Like, yeah. But it's he actually fights for her before he finds out. Yes, he does. Where he's he's like, it should be her. And he's like, she didn't even talk during the presentation. He's like, I know, but it was her idea. I just presented it. She's the best. I've been listening. I think maybe I should take a leave of absence. You were right to not give me this position. She is the right one. Yeah. And he's like, I've just fired her. Like we gave her a settlement. It was this whole thing. And he's like, they bought an idea and it was idea an idea that was her idea, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So like you need her back. You need her back on staff and the board will thank you once you let her do this job, essentially. Yeah. So he tries calling her and he can't get a hold of her. As he's walking through the office, he notices that the files have piled up, which means that Aaron didn't come in that day. Yeah. So he finds her address. 
he goes, she lives into like in like deep Chinatown, it looks like. Yeah. She lives in some Chinatown back alley, like literally. Yes. And so he asks a woman like, you know, how do we get here? And she's like, oh, it's down this alley. And as he's walking towards it, lightning strikes one of the transformers in the alley and he gets showered in sparks and ostensibly electrocuted again. Although it's kind of he doesn't really. But sure. I mean, it's just that they have to explain how he now loses the power and they're doing it again through the power of electricity. Yeah. I mean, this is the age of Adeline of memory. Movies. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The transformer blew up. So <laughs> he finds his way to Aaron's apartment and he goes through most of the apartment. She's not there until she comes out of the bathroom after. And he's found like a bottle of pills and there's like a note. And he's like, yeah. she's definitely going to try it today. He found a suicide note. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I honestly thought that she may have already done it because, you know, he's just showing up. There are pills there and then there's a suicide note already. Like the plans have been laid, you know? Yeah. But she comes out of the bathroom and he's like, oh, thank God. I, I didn't mean to scare you. And he admits to her, like, even though he's realizing, like, oh, my God, I can't hear you. Oh, my God. And she's like, you're crazy. And he's like, hey, uh, I would love to have you work on the Nike account. But like the real reason I'm here is because I was worried you would hurt yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And she was like, what made you think that? And he's like, I just sensed it. And she's like, that's not good. And he's like, yeah, but like, hey, there's still hope. There's still stuff. Are Mm -hmm. you interested? Yes. Take the day. Feel better. But then let's work on Nike together. And she's like, "Okay," but also like, I need to see a therapist. Right. Um, Yeah. yeah. (laughs) And I do like that. That's kind of where they leave it of like, you should go talk to somebody. But then. Things are going to get better. We're going to figure something out. Yeah. So he goes to Darcy's place and calls her and we see that she's in the bathtub, but she's not answering. She's like, it's been a bad day. Yeah. She's going to have fired. some bath beads about it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So we cut to he's smoking on the sidewalk and he has his cell phone on him because he's been trying to get Darcy to call him back. Uh, but instead, his ex-wife calls him and she's like, I just got a bunch of frantic phone calls from Alex at the prom from a payphone. Yeah. And he's like, oh, my God, the prom. So he rushes there. He finds out that she's in the bathroom and she's been there for like an hour crying. And he's like, I'm so sorry I wasn't there when you left. It's been a crazy day. And she's like, oh, I'm not crying about that. Basically, what happened is I decided that I wasn't ready. And I told my boyfriend I wasn't ready. Yeah. And he immediately dumped me. And made out with some girl who has a tongue ring. Well, his ex-girlfriend. He got back with his ex-girlfriend at the prom. Yeah. So crazy. That's the high school tea I love. (laughs) (laughs) Did anything ever happen like that? Like, nothing that crazy happened at my prom. Mm, I think so. Um, I mean, not not to me personally or anyone I knew. Yeah. But I also had a very small class of people who were like, I'm going to a four-year university and I don't want to mess up my prospects. So, like, you know. (laughs) I'm sure. I'm uh, sure there private was... school versus Ooh. public school. Wow. Ah, <laughs> uh, nerdery. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm sure book learning got in the way <laughs> for a couple people. Anyway, uh, I do love what he says to her in this moment where he's like, I am proud of you for standing up for yourself. Yeah. He's like, you're miles ahead of most women at your age. Yeah. Well, or just people. And he's yeah. like, you know, you're you're smarter than me. You deserve better than him. It's going to be okay. And she's like, take me home, dad. And you're like, he called her dad. (laughs) So he takes her home. And once he kind of gets her all settled in, he's like, I need to go talk to Darcy. I like I got to find her. But it's like one in the morning. So he goes to her new place, which I don't know how he knew she was there other than it just being the last place he hadn't checked or whatever. Yeah. Well, technically, 
everything lost is found at the last place you check. Always. Technique. Yeah, why would you keep looking once you have it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, she's basically like, well, I'm I'm kind of crashing here because I have to sell the place. So I figured I'd at least sleep here once or twice. Yeah. And he's like, you should return your phone calls. I got your job back. And he admits to everything. He's just like, I was sabotaging you. He doesn't explain how because right. I think that'd be crazy. Well, yeah, I, I don't think he can explain how without her being I, like, this is insane. you should go that far. Okay. I think you should go that far. I, I, I honestly think. I would be terrified of being like reported and then someone like Mikey showing up at my place and committing me. <laughs> well, yeah. I'm trained to know if, you, if you're just hearing thoughts of women and not men, like that's a red flag. Yeah. He also basically, he, he admits like I was sabotaging you. and But as I was doing it, I realized that you were amazing and you should have this job. Yeah. Like you shouldn't have to pay the price for being good at this. Like you should just be able to be good at the thing you want to be good at. And then he also was like, I love you. Like I grew to love you for your mind, essentially. Yeah. I love your brain. I love the squishy folds. But also the fact that she looks like Helen Hunt doesn't hurt. So she never asked, how did you sabotage me? She didn't. She didn't ask. So like that (laughs) is interesting. But I do really enjoy that. Like there's one or two pieces in the beginning where he's checking her out. But all like comments on her physicality disappear from the second half of this Uh movie. Yeah. And I love that because it is definitely him falling for her as a person and not just being pretty. Like, Helen Hunt is extremely pretty. Like, yes. of course. Mm-hmm. But the implication <laughs> is that he has fallen for her skill and her mind and the way she thinks of things, which I think is pretty cool. Physical attraction, that's a thing. But, I mean, like, not everybody you're physically attracted to is someone you could fall in love with. Let me tell you that. Oh, that's absolutely true. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And and vice versa. Some people fall in love with people that they were absolutely. not initially physically attracted to and then end up being physically attracted to because they love their insides. Absolutely. Their squishy, brainy, foldy insides. Oh, that's not the insides I was talking about. Anyway. I, I got what you're saying, Mikey. She <laughs> basically is like, you're fired and and he's like that's fair (laughs) yeah i had that coming yeah basically i like how he didn't expect that though he was like oh uh i didn't plan for that um okay okay cool 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 cool." but also yeah Yeah, but like i get it right yeah yeah Mm -hmm. and she kind of chases him out and she's like hey don't let me firing you be an obstacle to us being together and and she does use his words of like i took the wrong road I think that he's not going to end up being fired and they're going to end up working together. Well, I hope not. He's fucking the boss. Yeah, I was going to say, I, yeah, I wonder if true, he has to find a new job because they are going to be together. So that like, could be. maybe he's not quote unquote fired because whatever, but maybe like he goes and finds another job. Yeah, maybe. Here's where I would ruin the romantic moment. Are you ready? Yeah, sure. I sabotaged you, blah, 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 but I love you, blah, blah, blah. And she'd be like, I have to fire you for sabotaging me. And I'd be like, well, we did make out a lot. So there is kind of like a, you could get fired. Right, too, right. You're going to blackmail like her into giving you your job back. <laughs> this woman that you love, Mikey. Uh, yeah. I'm okay. Like, well, we, we both did bad things, right? Let's just move on. Yeah. Like I sabotaged your career. You kissed me. We're all victims. <laughs> we both sabotaged your career. <laughs> I do think there is also potentially an argument to be had that he believes that he should be in a different line of work now that he has had this experience because he was previously asking for a leave of absence. Yeah. So maybe he does go find himself and do something different. You know how I know you're rich is when you can ask for a leave of absence. 
I know. I know. The dream. Yeah. It would be nice to not have to work every day of the week. Yeah. It's a Saturday right now. I know. Yeah. We don't do ourselves any flavors by liking each other and talking a lot. Well, that's why the episodes are like three and a half hours when we record them and they end up being like an hour and a half to two hour long episodes. But you know what I'm going to do after this? Get a bagel. Yeah, they sound good. It sounded really good in the movie, and I was yeah, like, that's oh, what he was trying to make, have her make for him in the morning. But it was like two thirty in the morning when I was watching this. I was like, "There's no bagels." I'm gonna go listen to the rest of the audition episode and then go get a bagel. That episode's fucking. Is it good? Fire. Fucking it's wild. So it's such a dumb, perfect episode. It is unhinged. <laughs> Those are my favorite. Me too. That's <laughs> great. It's definitely going to be great. a fan favorite. When they edited my face onto him at that audition, I was like, they don't even know what's coming. <laughs> <laughs> a lot, a lot of comments about that kid super kicking her down the stairs. <laughs> Let's finish this movie, though. And, and that's, that's the movie. movie. So having seen the movie, having talked about the movie, what do you guys think about what women want? I think this should be higher ranked as a, I think... Probably Mel Gibson's personal life jades this legacy. Yeah. But I think it does. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. On too. a purely watchability standpoint, it's like a classic. I feel like it's a it can be up there as a classic rom com. I agree with you that I, I absolutely think that Mel Gibson's legacy taints this movie because I think it shockingly holds up. Yeah. And I feel like everyone's afraid to go back and watch it because we're worried that it doesn't hold up and we're worried that it is sexist Mel Gibson being sexist. And doesn't remember the end of the movie that is great. So, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I agree. I think that Mel Gibson is a terrible person. And we didn't know that necessarily in 2000 yeah. when this movie came out. So I understand why it we was like did. such a big thing. I don't think I did, though. I mean, we knew I, he was like ultra Catholic at minimum. <laughs> that That is true. But like even then that was positioned as like a good thing like look at how like holy this terrible person is i don't know yeah. but like i think because we didn't know that we sort of forgave it then and lo- looking back at this movie with that knowledge it does sort of color it for me in like a yeah. bad way but i do think the movie is like pretty ahead of its time like yeah. i wouldn't say it's without fault especially looking back with like 2022 eyes on it but like compared to like the like movies we've done from this time period that are like legit terrible this one's fine mm-hmm. and it, yeah I, I agree its message is surprisingly like feminist and he grows in this movie in a, yeah. in a realistic and like i think much better way so like there are a lot of things to like about this movie it's, it's yeah. hard to show nuanced character growth which i think this movie rarely does i mean in a rare sense does really well yeah. but yes i think he's his real mel gibson's real career screw-ups happen like two or three years after this right like 2006 is when his big dui was and then I think a year or two later was the voicemail and then I do remember it was later that he got the, the voicemail thing happened after the DUI yes I think the yeah, DUI thing yeah. is like 2006 2006 yeah it's 2006 uh, the voicemail which is wild the voicemail is the craziest uh, the voicemail is 2010 yeah so I mean this is pretty much the last time he is okay in his career I think is this movie yeah yeah I mean, I did go see Passion of the Christ. I'm reading the transcripts of the voicemails. Oh, I have to do that Fucking later. bonkers. Yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> They're so wild. Oh, my God. The opinions he has on fake tits is nuts. <laughs> is he... What? Is he pro or against? He's mad that she didn't tell him they were fake 
And I'm like, first of all, bro, if you had a chance to feel him and you couldn't tell, that's on you. But secondly, who cares? It's her body. Okay, so like my opinion on all of that is cool. <laughs> like I like boobs. I don't care. Like, yeah, I'm just yeah. like into it. Whatever, whatever you got. If we're at this point where I'm seeing it, I'm already into it. You know, he's mad that she was trying to breastfeed their kid with breast implants. And I'm like, this is such a weird hill, such a strange hill to die on. Well, you know, when you get into like a really emotional argument and you lose all rationality, don't record any of it because you never sound good thinking back. And you're like, and you took the cat litter to the closet. Like, fuck you. And you're like, and you left the milk out while you were eating cereal. And that is like ridiculous. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not defending him because I also know he has like really bad beliefs or he did at the time. I don't know his deal, but I mean like, if you record me at my my worst, you don't deserve me at my best. <laughs> Mikey, as someone who frequently records you at your worst, I think I do deserve you at your best. <laughs> at least you edit it before that is you true. release. That is true. What do you guys think? How romantic do you found this film from a 1 to 10 standpoint? Oh, God. If it wasn't Mel Gibson, it's like a six or seven for me honestly really okay so it's much lower for me i'm gonna say three because i really do feel like this movie to me is more about a man realizing he's shitty and growing from it which i feel like i had a similar arc shortly after we started the horror virgin which is why i change a lot throughout the course of those episodes but i mean there is sort of a romantic relationship between him and helen hunt so i'm gonna give it a three i'm gonna go five i thought it was pretty romantic all right cool i think it was a middle way i think mel gibson's legacy taints the movie which is sad i agree but Paige, do you have any fun facts for us i do i need to stop reading these transcripts they're (laughs) so nuts well hit us with your fun facts (laughs) transcript Fun facts. Uh, yeah, those transcripts are bad and yeah. super racist. Yeah. So the Nike representatives in this movie are real Nike ad representatives, <gasps> not actresses. What? what? That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, my God. Imagine getting that call. I mean, this movie probably was funded a little bit by Nike. No, oh, yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, now, this film was actually in development hell for a long time. And really? it was originally titled Head Games. And it was pitched to Touchstone, the Disney division, like Disney's, you know, feature division in 1996 as a vehicle for a different star. Do you want to guess who it was? In 96. 96. Bruce Willis. No, but I would watch this with Bruce Willis. Same. Uh, Mikey. I, Brad Pitt. It was not Brad Pitt, but I would watch it. I watched this with Brad Pitt. Anyway, no, it was Tim Allen. Ugh. Oh, terrible. That does fit that age range, though. That does fit that age range. And at the time, this was like peak home improvement days. I could see that. Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. So there's an early transition scene and an aerial shot of the Chicago skyline. And it's literally the same footage used in the opening credits of Family Matters. Oh, is it? So we extra should have known it was Chicago. Yes, we should have. That is awesome. Okay. I don't know, though. There's just like nothing architecturally significant about that shot. <laughs> wow. I can't believe you're bringing that gem back from our My Best oh, Friend's Wedding episode. No. So this movie was directed by Nancy Myers, who who is has directed many wonderful rom-coms over the years. But she also was brought in to rewrite the script to make it a little bit more nuanced. And she said that she included a lot of what she was going through in her life um, for Helen Hunt's character and a couple others. And she spent six months rewriting the script 
And she said that she didn't keep a lot of what was there. And I honestly think it's for the movie's benefit. I think her touch on that movie is what makes it kind of the nuanced character arc that we get in this movie. Um, this movie is famous for being the first film to mention the auction website eBay. <laughs> he does mention it. And when he does, I was like, oh, wow, that was around in 2000. It was. <laughs> and this is this is the first movie to mention it. Now, it's very barely edges out 40 year old virgin who also mentions it. That was like one of the next ones to mention. Well, it. and it's it's his romantic interests job, right? She like goes to pawn yeah. shops, buy stuff and sells it on eBay, right? Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, now, this film is said to be loosely based on a Twilight Zone episode called A Penny for Your Thought that originally aired in 1961 okay. where someone is suddenly able to hear a bunch of people's thoughts. Part of the reason there's some confusion about this being Chicago or New York is because the agency they work at is based on a Chicago agency, but the agency Darcy is coming from and the one that seems to be their competitor is a New York agency and they use their actual name. Okay. Uh, this movie bumped a movie that had been number one for four weeks in a row. Do you know what movie it was? I actually don't. I did a little research for box office, but I haven't looked at the weekly breakdown yet. So I don't. Any guesses? Phantom Menace. No. Although that was the next year, the very next year. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah, Mikey. You say 99? 2000. 2000. <gasps> Is it Titanic? It's not Titanic. Titanic okay. was earlier. Okay. Fuck. Legally Blonde? No, Legally Blonde is, I think, 2002. How the Grinch Stole Christmas, the Jim Carrey one. Yeah, same plot. Yeah. Mel Gibson's heart grows and three times while three learning sizes how to yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's because he has a heart condition from all his drinking and his cocaine use. <laughs> However, Mel Gibson was in another movie that same year that came out within months of this film. And so was another character from this movie. But do you have any idea what the other movie was that Mel Gibson was in this year? Because we've brought it up a ton of times on the show. It's not Braveheart. Is it Patriot? It is the Patriot. Oh, the yeah, Patriot it is came the out Patriot. months after this oh, film. Yeah. Okay. That movie fucking smokes. That movie is awesome. I know I've seen it, but I haven't seen it since like around the time it came out. So I don't yeah. I don't have much memory of it. The phone call or the conversation about the phone call to the boyfriend in Israel where she says, I don't think he meant see you next Tuesday was actually phrased specifically as see you next yeah. Tuesday. Yeah. 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 So it, it is intentional. Yeah. Um, Figured. So uh, in the bathroom scene where he almost uh, where he electrocutes himself, there's an ad poster from Sweden on his wall. And the text actually reads wonderful after shaving. <laughs> <laughs> OK. I just thought that was fun. Uh, the CDs that he pulls out of his daughter's backpack are in order. Fiona Apple's Win the Pawn, Alanis Morissette's Jagged Little Pill, and then he eventually settles on Meredith Brooks blurring the edges uh, because he thinks she's hot. Yeah. Uh, so the color of every character's wardrobe reflects their mood. You'll notice in the first half of the movie, he wears black exclusively. And then as he starts to shift in his focus, he turns into lighter grays. And by the last scenes of the movie, he's actually in an almost white suit. He is, yeah. Which is a very interesting choice. Yeah. And the characters basically clothes change as they are no longer at odds with each other to the point where in the last scenes of the movie, they're both in light colors. So it's kind of an indicator of where each of them is at as kind of their pawns in the relationship. Okay, interesting. Mm -hmm. um, also, James Cameron can be seen waiting in the chair next to him reading the newspaper in the lobby. Really? As Yeah, when he knocks over Aaron the file girl. 
Okay. Oh, wow. There you go. All right. Yeah. Wild. All and right. those are your fun facts. Well, thank you for those fun facts, Paige. Let's talk some box office. So this movie came out in the year 2000. What do you think the production budget was for What Women Want? I think this was big. I want to say $40 million. Okay. Paige, do you have a guess? Yeah, I'm actually, I'm going to say 30 Okay. You're both a little low. It was $65 million in the wow. year 2000. Yes. And if you adjust that for inflation, that's $111 million today. This is a $100 million movie to make. But Dang. let's talk about how it did. So, Paige, you mentioned that it did pretty well in the theaters, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and it uh, unseated How the Grinch Stole Christmas. It actually wasn't the only movie that week to unseat How the Grinch Stole Christmas, though. So, What Women Want, the week it came out, which was December 15th, 2000, was number one in the box office that week. It beat Dude, Where's My Car? That was number two that week. Mm, classic. And then How the Grinch Stole Christmas was number three. The Emperor's New Groove, which is one of my favorite Disney movies, was number four. And then Vertical Limit was number five. What do you think What Women Want brought in in its opening weekend? I think opening weekend, this brought in 18 million. All right, Mikey, what do you think? Oh, I think it did more than that. I think it did like 40 million. Mikey, you're closer. It was $33.6 million. Now, the number two movie, Dude, Where's My Car, made $13.8 million. So Dang. this movie crushed its opening it weekend did. by $20 million, or almost $20 million. Um, okay, so this movie then went on to be in the theaters for a total of... 25 weeks its last week was june of the following year because it came out december 15th so it was in the theaters for a long time how much do you think it made in its domestic box office run i think 110 million okay i'm gonna go 130 you guys are again a little low it made 182 million dollars domestically and then internationally it made 191.3 million dollars for a total of $374.1 million. And again, that was in the year 2000. If you adjust that for inflation, that is $643.6 million. So it made a ton of money. On a $65 million budget, it made $374.1 million. That's a lot of money. It did very well. I, re I remember it making a ton of money back I then. I remember this being wildly popular. Yes. yes. Yeah, it definitely was. But that is your box office. So do you guys think they're still together? I hope I, so. I do, oddly enough. Although I think now that he can't hear thoughts, he's going to have a bit of a learning curve. Yes, still. I think so too. I think it eventually does open up about how he was able to hear her thoughts, but like, yeah. that's like in 20 years from now, like when, like it's probably around now in their relationship. Yeah. And this mm -hmm. is obviously if Mel Gibson did not have his anti-Semitic, very racist breakdown that he had in 2006, obviously. Oh, that's nothing compared to the voicemail in 2010. Oh, I'm sure. Holy shit. Yeah. Holy shit. Guys, look up the voicemails. They're, they're insane. Crazy. Yeah. So this week, Paige, you made us watch What Women Want. What are you making us watch next week, Mikey? I am going to do, I'm going to pick a movie I really like. I, okay. I, I'm going to pick one of my favorite, like, go-to, like, feel-better romantic comedy type movies. It's, Chris Evans directed it. Okay. Ooh, okay. It's called Before We Go, and it stars Chris Evans and Alice Eve, and it kind of has a before sunrise, like they spend a night in New York talking kind of deal. Yeah. Uh, mm. But I unashamedly love this movie, so I'm ready for you two to tell me why I should hate it. I mean, 
Here's the thing. I hate movies where people only talk and don't do anything, but I do love Chris Evans. So well, I'm not going to spoil anything about what happens or anything like that. But I, I, I love the movie and I, w- I want to see what you guys think. I hope it is better than Before Sunrise because I was I loved that movie growing up and revisiting it. I was like, oh, it's not as good as I thought it was. So I hope it's better than that. Although I haven't seen it. So I don't know. I'm looking forward to seeing it, though. Yeah. Yeah. So your homework for next week is to watch a Chris Evans directed, you said? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, cool. Before we go. Oh, it came out in 2014, it says. Chris Evans has honestly produced a handful of really good movies and directed a couple as well. Yeah. Good for him. That's great. Yeah. So, Mike, do you have a review for us to read? I just remembered it. So, no. So, (laughs) while you're looking one up, let me tell them how they can have their review on the podcast. And that is to leave us a five-star text review. And we'll have Mikey read it for you. So, Mikey, whose review are you going to read this week? I'm going to read K. Oh, man. K Loke 2. All right. Well, what does K Loke 2 have to say? I'd be better off dead than to live without. Yay. This podcast? I'm assuming so. Yeah. Yeah. All three hosts are so hilarious and offer their own spice to this podcast sauce. Aw. We're a podcast sauce. Podcast sauce. Which Paige is definitely cooking in a fancy pot. Yes, she is. Yeah. And I just want y'all to dump it all in me. (laughs) Oh, wow. That took a turn. Okay. All right. I just wish there was more hours in the day so you could do a Mikey movie podcast. Ah, I would like that. (laughs) I'd I'd endure ear cancer from Todd's voice for that. Rude. (laughs) Rude, K-Lock. Thank you for your endless laughter week after week. And I'm so thankful you got to do my favorite movie, Better Off Dead. Heart emoji. Five stars. Well, thank you so much for that awesome five-star review, K-Lock 2. And if you want to have Mikey read your five-star review, leave us a five-star review. So, um, yeah, guys, if you like this power thruple that we have here on this podcast, make sure to check out our other podcast, The Horror Virgin. And that is the only other podcast that Mikey and I are on. But Paige gets around, and she is on two other podcasts, Black Card Rehab and Cult Podcast. So guys, definitely check out those because they're amazing. If you want to follow us on social, we are at Romancing the Pod Show. Yes. On Instagram. And we are at something else on Twitter who I just have never taken the time to learn it. It's just Romancing Pod Show because they have a character limit and it's show, S-H-O, like Showtime. So guys, check that out as well. And if you want to follow us all individually, Paige is at rampage wesley everywhere including tiktok except for twitter where she is at page wesley mikey is at m randolph 24 and i am at todd j awesome everywhere and guys we got a p.o box so if you want to send us some love letters or whatever you might send to a p.o box it's actually not a p.o box it's like a regular street address it's pretty awesome it's 6688 nolensville road number 108-34 brentwood tennessee 37027 so send us some stuff yeah that's gonna be it for us you guys i'm Paige. i'm mikey and i'm todd and you complete us to completion do you want to come stay at my land i'm a landowner (laughs) there's nothing sexy about the way you're saying that mikey it's not attractive (laughs) at all it's very weird i don't love it but i do want to stay on your land Thank you for letting me be 17% more of a co-host. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, inequality nerds. Oh.